and welcome to the Movie Mingle, the official podcast of MovieMingler.com. I'm Nick, and I'm joined by Chris Hagi of the House Targaryen. Targaryen. Did you forget again? God, I've said it enough times, I should know that you're Targaryen. <laughs> so we've done this, we've tried doing this intro like five times. <laughs> five times, because we had to keep recording it. Do you think like guy, the, you know, the Empire podcast or the Slash film have to do it so many times? Do you think oh. they they freeze up? Or do you no. Think, do you think they're just, uh, they get paid to do it, so that they we, we, we have the excuse, we, we, we can do whatever we want. We yeah. want. Um, they're getting paid to do these podcasts. I'm assuming they're getting paid. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely the Empire. Yeah, uh, I, slash, and film. I, slash film. I reckon well, they would yeah, too. No, no. So they, we, they get enough audience. Yeah. Slash film. I mean, we get kind of a similar audience. Yeah. I think yeah. minus a couple <laughs> thousand or something. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this week, what movie are we doing, Chris, on our free podcast that we bring to the people and don't get paid? Don't get paid yet. Uh, get out. Uh, Get Out is the movie that we're, we're doing the pot on. The directional debut of Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. one half of Key and Peele, yep. a comedy show from America, which I've never seen, I have to admit. I've, I've seen a few episodes on Stan. Um, they're, they're really funny. They've got great uh, great chemistry. V- yeah, very very good at uh, at the whole sort of satire kind of kind of thing as well, which you get a little bit of, of Get Out, but still it's not the kind of movie you'd expect uh, you know, someone from a sketch comedy to uh, to direct as their feature debut, especially after you know seeing them in, I think I discussed this last week, Keanu, which is run-of-the-mill comedy about two people who get in over their head, which is just lucky that it's played by, by two guys that are funny and have got awesome chemistry. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to talking about Get Out. Oh, I can't wait to talk about Get Out. I was so excited about watching this film. I mean, obviously... You'd have to be living under a rock not to see all the hype that was happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, this film is the little movie that could. Yeah. I mean, it cost like $5 million. It's made $190 million in the US. Mm-hmm. It's just starting its international run now. We have yep. to wait so long to see this film. So we'll have to wait to see how it goes internationally, but it's already a massive smash hit. Mm-hmm. It actually made me feel really warm in the heart that it was so big because it was a movie that was becoming a box office success, not because of it's based on a comic book series, mm-hmm. not because it's a sequel, not because it's a reboot, but because it's good. Mm-hmm. So it's word of mouth. It got good reviews. People loved it and it just yeah, well, built up, built up. It's got 99% right now on Rotten Tomatoes after 231 reviews, which is unfreaking believable So yes, I can't wait to talk about that. But before we talk about our feature review on this podcast, we like to have a nice brief discussion about the highlights of our last few weeks in movies. I say brief, but then it ends up being about an hour, so we'll probably get to the main review in about an hour's time. But before that, let's talk about the highlights of our last few weeks in movies. Uh, Chris Hargi, you can start off first. Um, I'm going to start off with a cinema release that just ca- I saw a few days ago. Yes, from the cinema. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Volume. A volume 2. Yes, yeah, like a mixtape. Well, I mean, obviously that's how much the movie resonated with me. I can't get the title right. Um, now, you've seen this one too, so we can I've have a conversation it. about it, which is... Uh, which is good. But I'll uh, let you go first. Cool. What do um, you think of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Duh? Um, I... So I, I came into it with low expectations. Low? Low expectations. Because a friend of mine who I trust with movies a lot mm-hmm. told me... Uh, she told me, movie sucked. Um, oh. Like, she, she hated it. She loved the first one. I'm, I enjoyed the first one, but I didn't love it. Like, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was fun. It was funny. But I thought it... It, you know, the whole ending was and the Infinity Stones. I felt I'd seen it all before. It was just cool characters and you know all this color and what James Gunn injected to it that made it really, really good. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy two tried to 
it's like James Gunn, I think, had a bit more control over this movie because number one went out so well. And I think he he looked at what worked really well at number one and then just in, like injected that even more so into into number two to the point where it didn't work. Like Some of the humour is just... At the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 1, you see Groot, you know, baby Groot dancing. Spoiler. Not really a spoiler, but no, everyone, spoiler thought it, anyway. everyone thought it was really cute. So the entire, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, everything you see with... Um, uh, with Groot has to be really, really cute. And Drax, it was very funny when he would make a kid take everything so literal. Um, so in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it's just the whole movie of him taking everything so so literal. So he, at first, I think watching it, like f- probably for the first 20 minutes, I thought there was no drama to it. You know, the characters were just... Uh, every time there could have been a serious moment, it had to be, you know, they had to be underplayed by a, a crude joke or uh, something stupid. And Which is a criticism of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. That sometimes there's too many jokes. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and in the middle of the film, I thought it was really extended. Like, there were so many scenes of just going back, you know, from one character who was in one place to the other character in, in another place, and it didn't really work as well. well, I feel like I really enjoyed this movie, but I'm, I'm complaining oh. about it. But I, I even came, I came out and said there was a lot wrong with this movie, and there's a lot more wrong with this movie than the, the first movie. Oh, yeah. But most of the jokes, when they didn't go on too long, I found it hilarious. And I say, and I say Drax, you know, the whole movie, Drax is comic relief. I'm sure in the comic books he's meant to be a, a scary, tough guy, but he's comic relief. But I was laughing out loud at almost everything that he said. It was too much, but it was really funny. Yep. Some of the scenes uh, were a bit overblown, and to be honest, it just a lot of it didn't gel. And the middle, the middle was way, way too long. But I really enjoyed it. I loved Kurt Russell. Um, I thought Chris Pratt, when he got to play a little bit more serious, I mean, he's never too serious, but when he got to do a little bit more at the ending, it was a lot more entertaining. I found the villain of this piece better than the villain of the first one, but uh, it, it's definitely faultier than the first one. But I, I still had a lot of fun with it. I was laughing a lot, and at the end, I came out entertained. Your review is pretty much exactly my review, mm-hmm. nearly exactly. Yeah. When I was watching the film, uh, the first half of the film, especially, mm-hmm. I thought was a bloated mess. Mm-hmm. Like I was still enjoying it. Yeah. But it was a bloated mess, and I was, and there was no through line. There was no plot really yet. No. And I was like, the characters are just doing things separately. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's the point of this movie? There's like, well, there's no point. Well, it's not really to the end, to, no. like the end where you actually find out what's going on. And then it's all cool. Yeah. But the first half of the film is just aimless. Mm-hmm. And it's just like they had all these different ideas of what they wanted to do with certain characters, but they only had one movie to say it. Mm-hmm. So instead of excising, excising, instead of cutting out those plot lines, they just threw them into the movie anyway. Yeah. And it was just, it wasn't as smooth. Like the perfect example is in the original Guardians of the Galaxy, Gilmora and, what's her name? The, the sister, Neptune? Ne- ne- Nebula. Nebula, yeah. sorry. Gamora and Nebula, they had their conflict mm-hmm. in the first one. And it's a subplot. But it never feels like it never feels like it's something else than what it is. Like it always feels like it's organically part of the yep. main plot line. Where in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, they've still got that plot again, except this time it just feels like it's shoot horned in. Yeah, like it's a whole bunch of like different plots. And nothing comes together because the first one does have lots of separate things, but it all seems to come together about this ragtag group of people coming together. But it's, it's, I mean, if you compare it to and a completely different movie, but if you compare it to something like Empire Strikes Back, where they're, in the first one all the, main ca- all the characters are together, but yeah. in the second one they all split up, but it's all, you know, it, it does come together really well and that there is a through line. While in Guardians of the Galaxy, there was one story over here, one story over there, and it was just, 
it seemed like they wanted the main story for you to figure out what was going on at the end and then they needed all this other stuff at the beginning and they needed to inf- James Gunn needed to put in so much comedy because that's uh, James Gunn is, is more you know loves his comedy and weird stuff but it, it didn't work as well it, it it wasn't a great movie but I really liked it like I really liked it I just liked the characters so much that I was willing to forgive all those mistakes and I was like I was laughing hard at so many yeah, points no. in that movie I mean I'm saying I enjoyed the movie this isn't a disaster like Suicide Squad mm-hmm. which is just a flat out bad movie yeah this movie is just what Marvel do really well where it's just nothing special but it's fine mm-hmm. and but it just felt like it could have been 20 minutes shorter it needed to have oh, more yeah, focus absolutely. it needed to have more focus because like the first half of the movie, I'm sitting there going, there is no point to this. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there was nothing going on. I'm watching random scenes. Yeah. And then the second half of the movie, once the plot comes together, like you said, I really liked the villain. Mm-hmm. I thought the villain was good. Mm-hmm. Like, really good. Yeah. I thought what the villain adds to this story of the Guardians of the Galaxy mythology, say, mm-hmm. is really cool. Like, if you rewatch the first one now, you can actually see some of the events of the first movie in a different light because of this film. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing. I love what they did there mm-hmm. without spoiling anything. Yeah. But what I didn't like is how they got there, which basically is they have a certain plot that they wanted to tell, but they needed, like you said, 90 minutes to fill. Yeah. Plus, we have to give Baby Groot a storyline. We have to give, you know, you have to give everyone a storyline, I guess. Is it, it, I mean, the bit with where they, there's a bit, and it's not a spoiler, where they need Groot to get something from a... Which is the funniest Groot, thing ever. Which, it, it's too, like, it's it takes, you know, it's about a 10 minute, well, probably not 10 minutes, but it's a 5 to 10 minute scene, which is just one joke, and it goes on. It's hilarious, but does it make the movie better? Why I also thought, a, a director that had the guts to really trim down this movie wouldn't have that whole sequence in there at all. Even though it's really mm-hmm. funny. Because a lot of the things work by themselves, oh, but yeah. they don't fit together. Mm-hmm. I think the whole prison thing yeah. shouldn't have been in the movie. Yeah. Just because you need, this movie's 130 minutes, and there is no reason this comedy should be 130 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And, and uh, what does the prison thing add to the overall well, nothing. story? It's, one of, it's part of the first half where nothing happens mm-hmm. in that way. It's always entertaining, but it's so bloated. Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell you, I really like the storyline. I like the villain. I liked how it all came together. Mm-hmm. But by the two-hour mark of this half-an-hour end fight, so not the two-hour mark, two hours into the movie, mm-hmm. and the end fight's been going for like oh, 25 minutes, was too long too. Yeah. it was just just this CGI orgy. Mm-hmm. There was no physicality. I was watching the first movie and the first movie has lots of CG mm-hmm. but it has a lot of physicality to the action. People mm-hmm. fight other human beings. Yeah. They fight in sets. The ending of this movie is just a CGI mess. Yeah. And by about... Which is fine mm-hmm. if it's 10 minutes long but about 25 minutes into this end fight or it felt like that mm-hmm. I was getting a bit of a headache. I don't know if I'm just getting old but I'm like I've had enough. Just stop. Mm-hmm. It was getting loud and obnoxious. See, see I don't usually like, the like those over the top. <laughs> I would love to see like if they bring out like Thanos in, in Avengers. I want to see like a physical fist fight or you know something like oh, it yeah. doesn't have to be over the top well Infinity War movie should end with like a half an hour 40 minute end fight but Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I don't think needed this at the end no the but first it, one's not that but the bit movie, where, but of course the, the, the villain goes up against uh, what's Chris Parrott's character now? oh Peter Quill Star Lord uh, Star Lord Star who um, I enjoyed that that part of the, the action scene because there was yeah, yeah that part there was more to it but and the rest you know had some oh, because there's a good connection with the villain yeah. that's what I loved yeah um, the villain was really, like, I really enjoyed the villain. The I like the villain much better in the second film than the first oh, film. Oh, hands down. I mm-hmm. was thinking throughout the movie that this might be nearly the best villain in Marvel with the Civil War guy that no one liked, but I like the Civil oh, War I like villain. The Civil War guy too. Because I like what he adds to the story. Mm-hmm. But I actually thought he was up there. Mm-hmm. Just because Loki? he's interesting. Do you like Loki? Loki is not menacing though. Mm. Where this the villain in this movie was menacing, but what I liked even more than Loki mm-hmm. with this villain is that it really 
ties into the mythology of Guardians of the Galaxy, the yeah. first movie. I love what they how this movie influences that first movie mm-hmm. because I went home and I wasn't see I was see, I wanted this movie to end, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sick and tired of the world. Yeah, because I came home and I watched the original Guardians of the Galaxy like straight away, mm-hmm. and I realized how much better that movie is. Like, yeah. I'm watching like this movie's got more charm. It has more character. James Gunn's character that he infuses in the first Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. is kind of not in this film. Here and no, there, it's, it's there, no, but it's, it's not. not as much. It's not no. there. I also thought people like Chris Pratt, A Star Is Born. I don't think he's the greatest actor in the world, but mm-hmm. when you watch the first movie, it's like A Star Is Born. Yeah. He takes Frank, Frank, Frank thinks you hate Chris Pratt. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's Harrison Ford. No, he's and not. he's not another Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. But I like Chris Pratt in the right role, mm-hmm. and I think when you watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy, he is a movie star and he's awesome. Mm-hmm. I actually think a lot of Chris Pratt gets missing in this film. He goes missing mm-hmm. because there's so many subplots and there's so many visual effects and stuff, and he should be the core of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the main plot line of the film is connected to Chris Pratt's character, mm-hmm. but the movie's got too many other things going on. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Did you, but did I, you... I want to say one thing yeah. before I forget it, and then you can ask that yeah. question. There's an emotional beat the movie plays oh, at the literally, end. Literally, that was the question I was about to ask. Oh, yeah. well, there's an emotional beat the movie plays at the end, mm-hmm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. And I might be a pansy because I seem like I, I say every <laughs> week that I teared up. Yeah. But it made me tear up. Yeah. And when I rewatched the first movie. Didn't have that? Uh, no, but when I rewatched the first up. movie, I, I saw it in another light. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this movie does so well. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like what Empire does to the original Star Wars movie. Not as good, though, obviously. Mm. But Empire, Empire changes the context of the original Star Wars movie. Yeah. And Guardians of the Galaxy 2 changes the context of the first one in a good way. Mm-hmm. While being nowhere near as good as Empire. Nowhere near as good as the original Guardians. Yeah. Which I also agree, by the way, is not as good as other people think. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I think it's very good. Mm-hmm. It's, con- considering anyway. how, how, how amazing that film turned out to be... Um, considering it Guardians of the Galaxy, had anyone heard of them before? And it was such no. a big risk. Um, is really good, but it's not one of my favorite Marvel films. Well, it actually is one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. in the cinematic universe. Yeah, but I've gone on record plenty of times saying I don't think any of them are masterpieces anyway. Yeah, except Iron Man is not a masterpiece, but it's really, 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 mm-hmm. really good. And Civil War is very good. Obviously, the first Avengers is very good. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is up there in the top four so- of the cinematic universe. Yeah. Don't know what order, Maybe. but with Iron Man, The Avengers, and Civil War, mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. I probably like Guardians more than Civil War, personally. So. Nah, get out. Get out. <laughs> Pod's over. But, we'll uh, have our own Civil War. But ultimately, I enjoyed the movie, but it's bloated and over the top and too long. Mm-hmm. And too loud. <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> but I, I, But I, I'll see it again, you know. Like, I want to see them again in the cinema. So I didn't hate the movie. I just mm. I was disappointed because I wanted the first one again. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but maybe it was because I came in with low expectations. Because I, I came out and I was saying, look, I, I can see all these faults. The music's not as good as the first one. It's not as refined as the first one. It's definitely James Gunn seemed like he, he got off his leash and shouldn't, maybe should have been reined back quite a bit. You can kind of see a little bit of Joss Whedon in Avengers 2 in this oh, film. You can see a little bit of it. I prefer Guardians. So I, I like Avengers I, I like, 2 as well. I like Guardians 2 more than Avengers 2. I don't, I don't really like Avengers I 2. I don't know. Probably. I've only seen Guardians 2 once. I, I definitely like Avengers 2 more than you mm-hmm. do. But I don't love it either, so I yeah. don't know. It doesn't matter. Pull uh, strings here. Well, rather than me going next, did you see anything else in the cinema? Oh, you want me to go next? Well, well I, I don't know. What, what, what should we do? Uh, well, normally I do the one person in one go for their movies, but we could, we could. I did see another film in the cinema, so I mm-hmm. could quickly go to me and then go back to you, and then go to me. Mm-hmm. We're not going to confuse the audience. We're getting a bit Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'll go next, mm-hmm. quickly. I won't talk long about this film, but you mm-hmm. haven't seen this. Uh, I also saw in the cinema, I saw The Fate of the Furious, the horribly really? named Fate of the do, Furious. Do you know, I didn't actually... Fast and Furious 8. I didn't pick it up until about a week oh, ago. Eight? Fate. 
I didn't it took me so that long, long to freaking pick it up. I always wonder why they called the Fate of the Fury. Why? They, what's with the weird numbering? Up? Oh, the F eight. Oh, I get it. That's kind of yeah. It's stupid. It's a horrible name, but the it doesn't Fate matter because it's, we're not watching Citizen Kane here. We're watching <laughs> Fate of the Furious. I was very excited about this movie mm-hmm. because I like the series. None of them are great. The fifth one's very very good though. But I enjoy the series. I enjoy the heart. I enjoy the the family. I enjoy mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Dwayne Johnson. I enjoy Vin Diesel when he's on a leash. Yep. Um, I really like the series. Mm-hmm. I was excited about this film, and I have to tell you, I was incredibly disappointed. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say it's bad, because now the standard of something being ultra bad is Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. That's a zero out of ten sort of stuff. And Well, maybe not zero, but so this isn't Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. But mm-hmm. I was very disappointed in this. Yeah. I- I'm telling you... With Paul Walker dead in real life, mm-hmm. unfortunately, horribly, I think the heart of this series has been ripped out. Mm-hmm. I think one of the major reasons why this series works so well is because it's like these two friends yeah. through adversity and they have a family and he marries into the family, Paul Walker, and it's sort of like family. The whole thing's about family. Mm-hmm. So you've got this over-the-top action, you've got this cartoony craziness, but at, the, at its core, there is a really nice relationship between two characters and everyone else around them, like family. Yeah. And with Paul Walker taken out, it is gone mm-hmm. and i think without paul walker's half of the lead of this yeah. franchise vin diesel is too self-serious vin mm-hmm. diesel takes everything so seriously he has no charm about him mm-hmm. and i don't hate vin diesel i actually like vin diesel but i think it's the way you use him and i think when he leads a franchise like this he's so self-serious he becomes dour and boring mm-hmm. it just doesn't work anymore we miss paul but it's not just paul walker's absence i found fate of the furious too cartoony and over the top mm-hmm. which i think is crazy because of what we've seen in the series so far. But if I explain, yes, every movie is over the top and crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, but The Fate of the Furious has a moment in the film where Charlie Theron is basically the Bond villain. This is a Bond film. Yep. She is a magical hacker that can hack into anything. Mm-hmm. And there's computer chips in cars, apparently, all over the world. Yeah. And then she's flying over in a... Well, she's, you can't hack into cars. That's a thing that can happen. Yeah, no, I don't think like in this movie. Though. No, okay, go for it. Because she's in this plane lair because she she has like she's basically a Bond villain. She mm-hmm. lives in a plane that goes around hacking yeah. places, and she hacks all these cars in New York. And there's a car chase in this movie that has about a thousand cars in it, mm-hmm. but she's controlling them like zombie cars. But no one's driving them, so I don't know how she's driving a thousand cars at one time. Mm-hmm. But seriously, that's too far. I thought that was too far. Watching yeah. a crazy hacker hack into a thousand CGI cars on the streets of New York just took any reality out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that's really crazy, I, but it's hard to explain, but it's just for me, it didn't work anymore. I was left cold. The perfect way to explain this to anyone who's a Bond fan, say, is every Bond film is over the top and crazy. Mm-hmm. Even the grounded ones, like Casino Royale, if you actually look at what happens in the movie, the parkour at the beginning, it's not reality, it's fantasy, even yeah. if it's grounded. But it's the level of what you do. Like The perfect example is, is, is the four movies of Pierce Brosnan's reign where he was reined in in Goldeneye. Goldeneye has him chasing Russians on the streets of Russia in a tank. Mm -hmm. And it's over the top, but it's James Bond, and it still works in Bond's world, Goldeneye. Mm -hmm. But it got crazy and crazy and crazy in all four of his films. And by the time we got to Die Another Day, it was freaking stupid. We had invisible cars. We had CGI Bond surfing tsunamis. It was stupid. Mm -hmm. There's a level of over-the-topness, and I think that this movie skated into the Die Another Day over-the-topness. It was just too much. It kind of, I would say normally it needs a reboot if it was Bond. But mm-hmm. maybe more because of Paul Walker's death and all that, this franchise needs to go away. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen that I don't think it works anymore. Yeah. Well, then we're going to make another two. I know. And I'll watch them. Mm. Especially if they go to space in number 10. <laughs> like Paul Walker used to always say they're going to go to space to 10. Apparently, that's what they always joked about. Yeah. 10 is in space. <laughs> but, but I just... 
I just think this just shows that the franchise is done. Yeah. There's nowhere more for them to go, but more ludicrous. And now it's just too much. Yeah. And I just think it was very boringly directed. It's directed by F. Gary Gray, Mm -hmm. who's never directed this sort of movie before. Yeah. And uh, I think it kind of tell, you Mm -hmm. can tell like the movie is very boring in the sense that it it's over the top CGI set piece that has no reality to it at all anymore. Yeah. And then in between those set pieces is people sitting in very boring sets mm-hmm. explaining a plot line that shouldn't be explained because it's stupid. Mm-hmm. But they over-explain it for an hour because they think it's more complicated than it actually is. And it's just people sitting down talking and then let's go to the next CGI explosion and then talking. Another one is like Ant-Man is very similar. Yeah. Not the same, but Ant-Man is sort of like you've got these really crazy effect sequences, but then you've got a very boring TV-like set where people talk in between. Yeah. And this is kind of similar in that sense. It's very boring, put together... And the action is very boring, and like characters never do any physical action much because they're in their cars the whole time, and it's just CGI mess while they're driving a car cutaway. But you never actually see actors doing much anymore. Yeah. Jason Statham has a fun scene where he's trying to save a baby while fighting bad guys, and he's trying to be happy with the baby while be, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. But overall, most of the movie is just too big, too much, and a plot. Like yeah. seriously, they spend the f- and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this movie. They spend the first hour of this film constantly explaining a plot line that is stupid and doesn't need to be explained. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like it's just they just won't. They go on and on about trying to. They think it's more complicated than it is. They think there's more twists and turns than there actually is, but it's just dumb. Yeah. So I didn't really like it, but I didn't hate it either. But I didn't like it. So yeah. I, I don't want to be mean to it because I really like this franchise. But this is absolutely the weakest one since like the second or third. Mm-hmm. Like too fast, too furious. This is this is nowhere near as much fun as like Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six, or Fast and Furious Seven, whatever they were called. They've got weird names. Yeah, those are really fun. But this is just a step down. But it has some good moments, like Dwayne Johnson kicking people's ass is so much fun. Statham kicking people's ass is so much fun. But when you get to see it, the problem with this movie is, like I said, it's just, it just puts those really cool people into cars and the stunt work is not. It's not cool. Like normally in some of the better Fast and Furious movies, it's it's amazing stunt work with cars yeah now it's just cgi everything yeah cheaper it's just it's just it's not as exciting and there was moments in the oldest fast movies that had cgi mess like fast and furious number four Mm -hmm. which is just called fast and furious yeah that has too much cgi which they they fixed up in the fifth and the sixth one yeah and now they're just back into just having i mean taking on submarines and stuff like that it's just not fast and furious anymore maybe Mm -hmm. i don't know it's crazy i guess they've done eight movies the fact that they've done eight movies and but it's not Terror. It's not Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not. But that, that's such a low bar. Is that, that going to be the? I think it will be until I see something worse. Mm-hmm. It's not Suicide Squad, but it's not. But it's yeah, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. I, I, wouldn't, I didn't hate Suicide Squad as much as you. I'd give it two stars. I'd, I'd, about the same, maybe, maybe one and a half. Yeah. I just thought this movie was very disappointing, and I couldn't give it a pass mark. Yep. But will I buy the Blu-ray? Yes, of course I am. As a collector, I've got <laughs> yeah, all seven. Of course. And maybe I'll change my mind. This time next year, I'll go, oh, I really like 8 now. I love mm-hmm. how dumb and stupid. It's, it's as good as uh, Suicide Squad was the third time I watched it. And last thing I'll say about the movie, and this is very quickly, why the hell would you have Charlize Theron in the movie and not put her behind the car, Furiosa style? That's what I'm going to say. She doesn't drive a car in this film. Really? No. I, I thought she'd be part of a car chase. Furiosa. Hey, if you want to watch a car mayhem movie, Fury Road is much better than this movie. There you go. Cool. I think it's the same kind of movie, though. Yeah, one's good. <laughs> one's well made by a great director he should have won best director for that movie by the way he should have won he should have won best director for that movie he should also be doing Justice League oh my god imagine if he could didn't he want to do Batman v Superman as well at one stage I think or, so, yeah. oh, no he wanted to do Man of Steel 2 yes but just leave him alone though let him make the movie then piss off Warner Brothers yep I think he has enough credit to the bank mm-hmm. in his life 
what a great movie Fury Road is. But that's another movie. That's I'll go back to you before we'll I finish my you, stuff. You're going to continue and then I go? Or, or do you want me to go next? Or do you no, want me to go really, next? no, this is really awkward because we've changed it up and now I think we've screwed up the entire podcast. Honestly, this may be the last podcast we ever do. I've only got let's a few go. things to talk about that won't go let's, long. Let's go. Okay, I will go first. Go. Uh, if you've been listening to the last few podcasts since the Alien podcast... Uh, you know that I've been watching the whole Alien series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to watch Alien vs Predator one and two because you know I'm not, if you've seen them, you know why I'm not watching them because mm-hmm. they're just masterpieces. Yeah, and so you're going to you make, make uh, the new Alien movie look crap. Yeah, so you got to watch it. Yeah, so I just watched the crap ones like Alien. <laughs> but anyway, I've been watching all the Alien movies, and this time I watched Alien three and Alien Resurrection. Well, now I feel like because I, well, I watched Aliens. That's one of my movie spoilers. Um, and now I don't know. Do I wait for you to finish? Well, you want to go Aliens first? We'll really mix it up. I mean, I talked about Aliens last week. So if well, I, I watched Aliens because you, you watched it and you got me all excited and I haven't seen it for like eight years. So we're so gonna I, go, you want to go first? I don't know. What, should I? This is really... I don't know what to do. Um, should we start the whole pod again? Is that all we got? <laughs> um, oh, I think you said most about Aliens anyway, so I'll go very quickly. It was... Uh, I haven't seen it for so long and to be honest... Um, I, I don't... I don't lo- like, I, I've never loved it as much as... Um, as you have, like it's not my favorite James Cameron film, but it's 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 a great movie, and I, I like watching it again. I I honestly thought maybe it could be cut down by 10, 15 minutes. You watched the special edition. Watched the special well, edition. it was cut down then, was it? I mean, well, the the normal cut's like twenty minutes shorter, isn't it? So yeah, but I still like. I think the the normal cut is too short because I remember the normal cut, and I like some of the scenes that they've got in the. Well, they had the whole the thing with Ripley and his daughter, which I think adds so much. That's yeah, well, you need you need that in the special. Edition. I think it adds so much. I know I didn't have a problem uh, problem with that, but I. I think I paid more, like, the characters. Like, there's so many movies like this, and I think you you may have mentioned this, or someone, there's so many movies that have tried to mimic... Um, aliens. Including the movie Mimic. Yeah, I said that uh, last week. Aliens, yeah. Um, and it's done so well. All the characters are awesome. Bill Paxton is amazing. Yeah. It's just this yeah. overconfident person who is so obviously compensating for himself, especially in the second half. But he's still, like, he's not... He's never... I, I never hated him. You kind of like... Like, you like him. He doesn't feel like he, a cartoon. He feels like a real yeah, person. Yeah, he's scared. He doesn't yeah. even want to get out of it. But he does whatever he's told to do and he tries to calm down. And um, Michael Bean is awesome. Paul Reiser oh, is awesome. a wonderful villain, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's just... I remember watching, like rewatching it, knowing, oh, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna turn bad, he's gonna turn bad. And from the beginning, you can you can kind of tell. But I, I remember, I wonder, like watching it the first time, if because he's always got a little bit of sleaziness to him, because he's one of those corporate guys. But you kind of felt like he's, he's, he's going to be one of the guys. Yeah, so you can never really trust him, I guess. Yeah, but you kind of felt like you know he was the good guy. Like that's what he was trying to come across as. And I thought it was a good twist. Like it was a good twist because you could, it made sense to the film because you watch him and he's, you know, he is quite morally grey but at the beginning he's you know he's the one that's on uh, Sigourney's Weaver's side and a lot of the characters check like a lot of the characters from the beginning and at the end are, are completely different or like you know they've got their bravado you know there's uh, what's, what's the name of the character that's kind of running the whole operation the oh, army guy who, who t- you know who's running it and then turns out to be a coward but at the end you know does the the, the same thing no one's I thought all the characters are three dimensional in that film and maybe that's it, it does take you know there's an hour and 15 minutes before you it's see an alien something in minutes until, yeah it's half uh, it's like the halfway yeah. point of the movies when you finally see a xenomorph yeah um, of a 160 really minute movie you get to like the characters and I thought they're all they're all awesome it's really tense the special effects for the time are incredible yeah the action scenes are amazing it's yeah I've I've always liked the film but I've got a my appreciation for the film watching it again after eight years um, has definitely gone up. 
it could have been 65 minutes before you saw the alien rather than 75 minutes. But it, it was, it, it's just a fantastically well done film. And that, the end fight scene is amazing. Is that, is it Lieutenant Gorman? Maybe yeah, I think that. it is Gorman. Yeah, it is Gorman. I'm trying to, I think, yeah. No, yeah. Gorman sounds right. William Hope. Um, and it turned Sigourney Weaver into an action yeah, hero. Yeah, Lieutenant Gorman. And it turned Sigourney Weaver into an action hero. Yeah. And it does it so well. Like, I mean, sure, she, she learns how to use a gun and is suddenly pretty, you know, decent at it. But, you know, she comes off, she doesn't want to fight in this thing. It does, it works because it changes who uh, Ripley is. But at the same time... You see the path you there, see, she Yeah, goes. you see the path. Like I was saying, uh, it, do, it does. You, you can look back at it. It works as a perfect sequel to Aliens. It does something completely different. You, you can't go back to the original Alien film and think, oh, it, because it's a completely different genre that it, it spits on the Alien film. It complements it, and at the same time, it changes the way you, you think about. You know, it, it was a horror film. It was The Shining in in, in space, pretty much. Or maybe I'm thinking of uh, the uh, the one with Sam Neill, but it was a stalker in, slash yeah. film. It was Friday the Thirteenth in space in many ways, uh, and that's James Cameron for you. That's what I was saying last week. It was like a perfect sequel mm-hmm. because it wasn't the same movie again. Yeah. But it never felt like it wasn't part of the same world. Yep. And Ripley grew to another level. Because having Ripley kick ass at the end of the original Alien wouldn't have worked. Because mm-hmm. that's not that sort of movie. But yeah. it worked at the end of this film. Mm-hmm. And she's amazing at the end of this film. She, she got an Oscar nomination for that Sigourney Weaver. And deservedly so. But it's yeah. a science fiction film. That's what makes it more amazing. Mm-hmm. They don't give Oscar nominations for science no, fiction films. they much. do not. Oh, well, I'm glad you saw Aliens. So Alien 3? Well, I watched yeah Alien 3, the assembly cut, of course. Um, I never watched a theatrical cut. Uh, the assembly cut for people who don't know. Well, let's go back in I time. Know, I don't know. Well, I'm going to do a podcast on this movie one day, even mm-hmm. though I don't love it to death just because it's Alien 3. Mm-hmm. But uh, this movie is um, notorious for having a crazy, crazy development cycle. Oh. I mean, the teaser trailer for this movie had the tagline, on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. And yeah. they don't go to Earth in this movie. So. Well, aren't they, so, on, they, are, they are on Earth, aren't they? No. Isn't the prison on Earth? No, it's on Fury 17-something. Oh, it's on okay. some planet. It's a prison planet. Oh, I, I thought there was like yeah. a desert on Earth. Okay, no, They changed the story completely. They're, I can't remember the exact stats, but it was something like before they started actual production, they spent about $40 million on pre-production with like 11 different writers. It went through so many crazy mm-hmm. rewrites. And I, this, I read a uh, book. Uh, it's something like that. It, on, I, on I, I probably got, it was either like, it was a lot of money with mm-hmm. a lot of writers. I'm going to say $40 million with 11 writers because that's, I, think, I think that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of money before mm-hmm. the writing. And the thing is, Sigourney Weaver was very powerful at the time because she's Sigourney Weaver and she's mm-hmm. Alien 3. So she starts making those crazy lead star demands. Yeah. So there's a lot of crazy things. She wanted no guns in the mm-hmm. movie because she hates guns, which is okay. I think it works in Alien 3, no guns. Mm-hmm. But she also wanted to have sex with a xenomorph. This is a true story. She wanted to have sex with a xenomorph and they said no. <laughs> so that's really that happened. She wanted some sexual encounter with the xenomorph, which kind of happens in Resurrection anyway. Yeah. It's kind of, which is a shit movie well, I'll talk about it in a minute. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and it's notorious for the the, the crazy production. Uh, David Finch has completely disowned the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was his first yeah, film. He's the only one that hasn't gone back to it, isn't he? Well, or? when they made this special edition DVD, they wanted a different cut for every movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Cameron already had his special edition yep. cut, but they wanted a different cut for every other movie, so they, they invited every director back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only one who didn't come back was David Fincher. Mm-hmm. But he gave his blessing... To the guy who put it, I can't remember who it is, but the guy who put the assembly cut together. Yeah. Because basically, the assembly cut is a cut down version of what Fincher originally wanted mm-hmm. from his initial cut. His initial cut of the film was like three hours long. Yeah. The assembly cut's about two and a half hours long, so it's still cut down from that. Mm-hmm. But like I said, David Fincher didn't do it himself; someone else did it. Mm-hmm. But it's basically got. I'm not going to get into all the details, but the, the theatrical cut of this film is butchered in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And the assembly cut, you can kind of see a David Fincher film underneath mm-hmm. the surface. Like it's the only one to watch. Yeah. 
The movie has a tough time at the beginning because, spoilers, but it's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. They kill Newt and Michael Bean right away. Which ruins Aliens 2. Uh, uh, when I say Aliens 2, uh, Aliens compliments Alien. Alien 3 completely spits on Aliens. Well, it kind of does at the yeah. beginning. And it's mm-hmm. a horrible way to start the movie. Because mm-hmm. it's just a horrible way to start the movie. That was a new family in a way. Mm-hmm. But, and for years I couldn't get over that. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't mm-hmm. get over it. But, especially since I've seen the assembly cut, mm-hmm. if you can get over that, which is hard, but if you can get over that, there's actually a very good movie underneath the surface. You know a classic and not a masterpiece, mm-hmm. but there's a very good movie trying to... If Fincher could make the movie he wanted to, you could tell it could have been a great movie mm-hmm. because it actually complements... Yeah. It complements the first two because, in a way, Sigourney Weaver is on this planet with all these sinners mm-hmm. and you can kind of see it as in she's in purgatory and the xenomorph is like the devil, the dragon. He's the devil waiting to judge them all mm-hmm. and it really has all these themes in it. It's got these themes about religion and about violence and sexuality and all about Ripley's soul and how it can rest. And it re- it really has a lot of deep themes, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Mm-hmm. This movie actually is trying to be something when you watch the assembly cut. Yeah. The norm- and I just think you can see those aspects in there. It's- I really enjoy those aspects. I think the ending of this film is kind of perfect, nearly, mm-hmm. when it comes to what the ending for Ripley mm-hmm. in this film. I-, I just think it works really, really well. But it's assembly cut, and it's a bit rough here and there. Yeah. You can tell. But more importantly... There's some visual effects in this film that are just absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, terrible. I, the puppets look great. There's a famous shot where Sigourney Weaver's scared and the xenomorph comes close to her. Everyone's seen the shot. Perfect looking. Mm-hmm. When the baby, when the baby xenomorph is born at the beginning, the puppet is perfect. It looks mm-hmm. great. But for a lot of the wide shots, they used a rod puppet and they shot it on blue screen and then they put it into the film. And it just... 95% of the time, 90% of the time, it just does not work. It doesn't look like it's there. It looks kind of terrible. I mean, because Jurassic Park, this came out in 1992, and Jurassic Park was still one year away. So we hadn't gone into the CGI revolution yet. There's only one CGI shot in this film of the Xenomorph, and it's when it's dying at the end. It's not a spoiler. It dies. But other than that, it is the Rod Puppet, and the Rod Puppet looks beautiful, but when you, it just didn't work when they tried to put it together they shot it on blue screen like i said they put it into the scenes and it just doesn't meld with the scene very well so it sticks out really unfortunately sticks out Mm -hmm. and it takes you out of the movie so what you're left with is a lot of shots of pov of the xenomorph at the end because the normal shots take you out of the movie because they look so fake i remember that and i wish i wish that david fincher came back Mm -hmm. they gave it a he gave it a cut Mm -hmm. of his film he just tried to make the movie he wanted to make all the time as much as possible and they also gave him a little bit of the money Mm -hmm. to put some cgi shots into to fix up that xenomorph yeah because i think there is a really good movie underneath the surface i still think it's a very good movie i think it's a good movie Mm. alien one is a masterpiece aliens to me is a masterpiece alien three is not a masterpiece but i think it's a very good ending to the trilogy and Mm -hmm. i say trilogy because there's never been a really great Alien movie after this film. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a great movie, but I still think it's very good. Okay. Like, I, I haven't it... seen Alien 3 for a long time, and I it wasn't the assembly cut, and I did oh, not to... like it at all. You have to watch the assembly cut. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's a masterpiece, mm-hmm. but it's far better than the theatrical cut. Yeah. The theatrical cut is butchered, and it's very different. There's so many subplots that are cut out of the theatrical cut completely. And there's so many subplots in the theatrical cut that are added in that are not in the assembly cut. Mm-hmm. It's a very different movie. The theatrical cut is dumb and gory. Mm-hmm. The the They're both gory. But the uh, the assembly cut is about stuff thematically. Mm-hmm. So I like the movie. 
But like I said, it's not as good as the first two. Mm-hmm. But better than Alien Resurrection? Well, Alien Resurrection is normally... That's the next one I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about. I won't talk too long about this movie because it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Normally, I don't watch Alien Resurrection. I've always owned it because I'm a completist. Yep. I have to get everything and I like torture. But in general, I don't like... I always skip this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, famously, uh, you probably know this, but it's written by Joss Whedon. Yeah, but not... But uh, he didn't have much creative control back in those no, days. No, well, he, he only wrote the screenplay and it's directed by... Uh, the perfect director for Alien, the director of Amelie, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good movie, Amelie. I love that movie. Jean-Perry Junant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think Joss, we- Joss Whedon doesn't like the finished product of this film, I'll mm-hmm. say. But uh, Joss Whedon's ideas were wrong anyway, because Joss Whedon's script was like, he said himself that he made a movie that was like lighthearted and fun. Mm-hmm. And then the director came in and tried to make a serious movie with a lighthearted script, so it didn't weld. Mm-hmm. But uh, Alien shouldn't be lighthearted and fun. Alien yeah. shouldn't be Firefly. Yeah. Because that's kind of what it was trying to be. Mm-hmm. It should be more dark and horrific, a mm-hmm. horror film. So Joss Whedon is kind of wrong. But then again, Joss Whedon's not really wrong because he only wrote what he knows how to write. It's their fault for hiring him in the first place. As someone who hasn't seen Resurrection... Oh, you haven't seen for, it? Well, oh. no, I've seen it, oh. but not for you know, 15 years. I've got it, but I haven't, I haven't watched it. Um, <laughs> what's wrong with it? It shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spoil Alien 3 right now because it's 30 years old and it doesn't really matter if you know the ending of Alien mm-hmm. 3 because there's only one way it can end mm-hmm. when you watch the movie thematically. Ripley dies. Yeah. And in Alien Resurrection, Ripley's dead. So this is 200 years later and they want to get the alien queen and it's somehow connected to her genetic makeup so they clone Ripley. Mm-hmm. They grow the xenomorphs mm-hmm. and it attacks everyone. But the Ripley that's in this movie is not Ripley. So it's already empty. Mm-hmm. Like the, the first three are all about something. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like the third movie, it's about something thematically. Mm-hmm. This movie is just stupid and dumb and Alien's better than that. Yeah. And it's just like, this isn't Ripley. She's just some Xeno... She's half monster. So the morning movie's really good in the movie, but it's not Ripley. Mm-hmm. So it's just empty. And then you've got this cast of characters that are weird and crazy and they feel like they're cartoon characters and they do not belong in the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. And the Xenomorph effects are great still. Yeah. The CGI effects, I think, are really good. The Xenomorphs look great. The gore is a lot of fun. There's an action sequence inside when they're swimming, which mm-hmm. everyone knows. When you think of this movie, that's what you think of, I think. Which I still think is very fun. Do you know funny? I can't remember much about it, but I do remember... The swimming. That's what I think about is the... The swimming. Because I like that scene. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fun. It's not horrific, but it's fun. But it's just the wrong tone. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't exist. It's the simplest way to say is that this movie shouldn't exist. Yeah. And, it, and if it does exist, it should be without Ripley and it should try to add something to the franchise, which I think Alien Covenant's going to try to do mm-hmm. when it ties into Prometheus as well. But this movie is just really, really dumb, cheap way, though it costs like $80 million in the 90s, but mm-hmm. a cheap way just to get more money. Yeah. Because Aliens a popular franchise. Because it is a disaster. Normally I skip this movie, but I just watched it this time because I thought mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about it on the pod, I'll watch more. Mm-hmm. But it is it is really bad. But if you know that it's really, really bad and that mm-hmm. it shouldn't exist and that it's crap and you actually watch the movie, I actually kind of enjoyed it this time for the really, on a slock level, like yeah. it's a stupid slock movie. But Alien movies shouldn't be stupid slock. Yeah. So I don't even want to waste any more time with it. It's not good. But I'm not telling anyone anything new. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone in this whole world who's a fan of the original Alien movies who think Alien Resurrection is actually good. Like they might think it's enjoyable on a slock level, but mm-hmm. no one thinks it's a good movie. I don't know. I'm not telling anyone anything they don't know. I actually want to see it again just to see how bad it is. But it's not It's not Suicide Squad in that one sense. Holy Christ. Suicide Squad is just bad. <laughs> but uh, no, I, it's it's not good. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no other way to say it. But if you watch it on a... If you watch it, like I'm watching a dumb slock space horror movie with someone who looks like Ripley, but it's not actually Ripley. And Winona Ryder... I like Winona Ryder a lot, but she's kind of whiny in this movie. Mm-hmm. If you know what you're watching, and then it's basically a cartoon movie, then you can enjoy it 
for a brain dead hundred minutes. Mm-hmm. We're just lucky that it's not like a cliffhanger of Alien Three that is stuffed up in Alien Four. Alien Three ends, so it's okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I watched that. Cool. Do you want me to do my last movie before you go, do yours? Go for it. Because I only got one more. I actually got more than one, but I'm only going to do one more. This one I definitely won't talk about mm-hmm. long. I watched Hostel Three finally. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen Hostel Three? I haven't seen Hostel Two. You seen Hostel One? Yeah. Do you like it? Not really. Okay, fair enough. I like Hostel One. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it for a long time, but this is probably why I like Eli Roth. The Hostel, the first Hostel, I think, is a really good survival horror film with mm-hmm. lots of suspense. I love the gore. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not reviewing Hostel One. Does Eli Roth have anything to do with Hostel Three? I don't think so. Okay. I didn't see his name anywhere. Mm-hmm. I never really wanted to watch it, but it was on Netflix. And I thought, well, there you go. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to watch on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, I liked Hostel 1. And I thought Hostel 2 was a bit disappointing. But at least it tried to do something different. Mm-hmm. But you've never seen it. But it's, it tries to do it from a... It tries to show you from the... Girl's the, point of view? Like the people's point of view that are actually doing the killing mm-hmm. this time. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hostel 3 is... Very simple review. It's cheap. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't exist. It's crap. Mm-hmm. It's not as gory as it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's gory, but, like, I wanted more gore. I mean, I'm watching a straight-to-DVD, whatever, horror sequel to Hostel. Mm-hmm. You've got no plot line. Give me some gore. It's it's light on gore. I will say it has a few twists that surprised me, which mm-hmm. I thought was good. At first, it has an early twist. I went, oh, I like this. But then it went downhill. Yeah. Uh, and then it has a final twist, which I'm not going to spoil, but uh, it has a final twist that shocked me mm-hmm. or surprised me. I won't say shocked. It surprised me, but then when you think about it, it it goes against the history of what Hostel means, mm-hmm. which is, I don't want, without spoiling, like, so basically you find out about the motivation of the villain of the movie, Hostel mm-hmm. 3, and by having this motivation, you kind of forget what the original Hostel was about. Mm-hmm. And it, it turns into a really cheap, crappy action movie at the end, mm-hmm. that, and not a horror film at all. It's just not good. Don't mm-hmm. waste your time. It's it's just. It's, would you say it's the Suicide Squad of the? Hostel I don't think it's movies? as bad as Suicide Squad. <laughs> it's at least had some fun gore. Yeah. I don't know if it's bad. It's not good. I'm glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It's not Suicide Squad, but it's Jesus not. Jesus Christ! It's not. <laughs> I don't hate Suicide. Well, I've only seen it once. And I've seen it twice. I had again came in with. I'm probably going to regret paying out Suicide oh, Squad no, so much. It probably wasn't a great, good, good movie. I watched the extended cut. It was just 11 minutes too much longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, unlike Batman v Superman, which extended cut. But yeah, overall, it's it's not very good. But I'm glad I watched it, and I'll be up for Hostel Four mm-hmm. if they make another one. Should I even talk about this last movie? Do it. Uh, I've been playing all the Resident Evil games from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I mean from the beginning, mm-hmm. like I. Started with the remake. Yep. Uh, then I played zero, two, three. I played all of them. Mm-hmm. All of them. Not just the numbered ones. Everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the main storyline. So also I'm watching, when I'm up to them, I watched Resident Evil Degeneration, which is the CGI movie that's based in between Resident Evil 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched all the other movies, obviously, the Paul W.S. Anderson ones. I've reviewed them all fully. You can check that out on the podcast for Alien, mm-hmm. where I... I don't want to get into that now. I'm not getting into it now. Well, I didn't mind some of them. Okay. But I hated the last one. Same. Never seen any of them. They're not great. None of them are great movies, mm-hmm. but I didn't mind some of them. Yeah. But none of them are really Resident Evil movies because they just ignore the whole story for Mila Jokovic doing cool stuff in slow motion, mm-hmm. which is also fun, but not Resident Evil. So yep. whatever. This has got like uh, Leon S. Kennedy and Claire Redfield. This Ooh. has got real characters. Jill Valentine? No, Jill's That's on it. Jill Valentine will be okay. my Valentine. That's all I've been singing all week because I got to play with her in Resident Evil 5 just then. It was great to see Jill back. I don't Though know. she's blonde uh, now. I don't really know anything about her because I've, I've played a few Resident Evil games. Go on, go on. I love Jill Valentine, but mm-hmm. she's not in this film. Uh, it's just not that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm happy I watched it because I want to see the whole plot line come together. Yeah. But it doesn't really tie into Resident Evil 5 too much. It's mm-hmm. it's also what is the problem with the, the Resident Evil 
five, six era, mm-hmm. even though I haven't played six yet, but I just finished five. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that it turns more into this action espionage thing and not a horror game anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of just like spies and bioweapons. And yeah. and I know there always were bioweapons in the games, but it's like a spy thriller, not a horror movie. Yeah. So I'm watching, it's fine. I'm glad I watched it, but I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I was actually... I, I was actually semi excited about this. I wanted, I was happy to see a, like a movie that was Resident Evil that was actually made by the people, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't that good. And there's no way I would recommend this outside of anyone who's not a Resident Evil fan. Obviously, there's nothing mm-hmm. here for someone who doesn't like Resident Evil. But I'm glad I watched it. But it could have been better, oh. uh, and I wouldn't recommend it. But if you're a Resident Evil fan, then why not? You've probably seen it already anyway. If you're a Resident Evil fan, so yeah, anyway, that's it for my my week in movies. Mm-hmm. So Chris Hagi, cool. Uh, how about well, the rest you, of your week. Since weeks you hijacked movies. my week in movies. Um, where, what? Look Who's Talking 2 here. Uh, I'm not going to really chat about that one. Um, uh, did you watch Look Who's Talking 1 and Look Who's Talking... What's the third now? one called? Is it now? now. Uh, no. No, just 2. Because I haven't seen 2 for a while and I wanted to see if it was... That's the one really with Roseanne. No. Roseanne, yeah. Yeah, Roseanne's yeah, Roseanne. the door and Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's a cute movie. I, I liked it as a kid, so it's hard for me to look back at them objectively. It's cute. You know, I'll be honest with you quickly. I haven't seen those movies in years. Mm-hmm. But the first two I used to watch all the time. Mm. Like, all the time. It used to be on like, Channel 10 I, all the I actually time, really like the first movie. I think it's... It, like, Bruce Willis is amazing. It's a cute romance. The second movie is not a good movie at all. But I, it's too cute for me not to, to hate. I don't... like it, But it's a terrible movie. But I remember when but I was, was little... Cute as hell. I remember when I was little knowing that the third movie sucked. With the animals. With the dogs. Danny yeah. DeVito and... Uh, I remember not liking it when I was little. Yeah. And, I, and this is when I was like little mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. So how good could it be? Uh, I, I watched a lot of it as a kid, but... Uh, Where did you watch them? Are they on Netflix? No, I didn't have Netflix at those days. Well, uh, oh, look, it's uh, talking too. Yeah, that's on Netflix. I think that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Uh, who directed the original one? Oh, it doesn't really matter. Who directed this uh, one? What's her name? Girl. Oh, is it the one who wrote... Amy... Seattle? No, oh, no, that's a different no. One. I was thinking that girl who did You Got Mail. Oh, Amy Heckling. Yeah, Amy Heckling. Is she the one who did Clueless? Am I getting my Yeah, I think so. Uh, Good movie, Clueless. I think it is her. Have a look. Uh, So so I saw a movie that was actually a bunch of mini-movies, really. Oh, an anthology film. An anthology film. If you're going to talk about it smartly. Uh, VHS. Which I think you've discussed on this pod before, have you? I don't know. I don't know if I discussed it on the pod or I watched it before this pod Mm -hmm. even started. I have no idea. I've oh, seen right. it. I've been in the horror mood lately. I've seen lately. it. Because so. I'm not the big horror fi- uh, uh, movie fan that you are. But I thought, you know, it's a whole bunch of short stories. Um, I didn't actually realise the whole thing was filmed um, uh, by VHS. I don't, I don't, oh, like, by, uh, by old school cameras. I actually thought the um, original story which, about them going into a house and finding all these uh, videotapes was actually filmed properly. But it's not. Um I quite enjoyed VHS. I thought most of the... St- actually, all of the stories, none of them I minded uh, to the point where I didn't like them. Maybe the the opening story, the one uh, by... Is it Adam Wingard? Adam Wingard, who directed uh, Tape 56. I found that one kind yeah, of... Yeah, wait, I'm looking at... Yeah, yeah. Adam Wingard directed Tape I found 56. that kind of boring, that one. It was a good way to put all the other tapes together, all the other stories together. But other than that, on a, as a standalone story, I thought it was the weakest. Um, but there were, there were some quite entertaining stories and quite gruesome stories um in there uh, amateur night so it's a story about uh people that try and uh, disgusting people that go out and try and film them having sex with a, a girl that was my favorite one scare wise i remember that one freaking me out when i watched it by myself um so i don't remember the villain of, of that one 
we say? Is it allowed to spoil it? I mean, it's a girl who's like a siren or something, yeah, or a demon or something like that. I think um, you know that going in, that yeah. it's going to be something like that. Yeah, because so once, once, once you meet her, you can tell she's yeah. the, the creepy one. She was really good, and it was quite creepy, yeah. Yeah, uh, so amateur, that was Amateur Nights. The second honeymoon was the second one. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm not going to go through everyone. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't hate any of them. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed some of them. I thought uh, one, one of them Tuesday the 17th, which was kind of a parody of Friday oh, the 13th, yeah, yeah. which um, I, I think is meant to be quite... like People found that quite weak. I actually quite uh, enjoyed that and the way that they put the villi- uh, the bad guy on, on the video screen. Um uh, a few of them were probably weaker. Uh, Ten thirty-one ninety-eight, which is the last one um, done by the Radio Silence crew. I don't know who they are, but um, it was kind of a haunted house slash demon, you know, uh, religious one, which you could kind of see the ending. Well, it, it was meant to go up for like this kind of twist, which you could kind of see coming from a, a mile away. But uh, they're all very. They were great experiments. I really, uh, really enjoyed seeing what everyone did. Um, yeah, no, if one of the stories doesn't work in those sort of anthology films, yeah. then you've got not long to wait. Yeah. And what was more exciting about VHS, what drew me to VHS was a few things. It mm-hmm. was because of the, the filmmakers involved. There was a lot of young filmmakers who just had 20 minutes to do what they wanted. Yeah. And I found that really fun to see. Mm-hmm. And there were some people that were exciting in there. Adam Wingard drew me into the film. Mm-hmm. And Ty West drew me into the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty West, who directed movies that I've recommended to you before and you really should watch, mm-hmm. The House of the Devil. Yeah. Yeah, you've recommended that. Andrew. That movie rocks beyond. So rocks Ty West beyond. did Second Honeymoon. He did Second Honeymoon. I just really enjoyed Second Honeymoon. He directed The House of the Devil, which you have to watch. Mm-hmm. It is so damn good. He directed The Innkeepers, mm-hmm. uh, which you should watch. Innkeepers is this uh, horror comedy with Sarah Paxton, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Sarah Paxton's amazing in the film, and he directed this film called The Sacrament, mm-hmm. which you might have seen. It's a found footage film that no, plays on those drink the Kool Aid. What is the name? What are the group of people that killed themselves for the? Suicide, the mass suicide, suicide. Like a religious. Yeah, you know, the fa- the famous one. They say drink the Kool Aid because he poisoned the Kool Aid, yeah. and he forced them to drink. And it's that one where they I can't remember the name. Of it. It's so famous now. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing that we don't know the name, to mm-hmm. be honest. But anyway, they play on that, and it's these people who found footage who get stuck while they everyone's killing themselves, and they got they're trying to get out. Mm-hmm. That's another good movie. He's done a few good films. Ty West. Yeah. Anyway, VHS. Uh, I remember VHS. My favorite one being the opening one. That's all I remember. Um, uh, Amateur Night. That one. Yeah, that that, that one was probably freaky. One That's of the best remember. ones. Uh, actually, yeah, pro- I'd say probably uh, Amateur Night was the best one. They did a spin-off of that based on the, uh, the, it's called Siren, based on the Siren character. They even got the girl back to... Wow, I had no buy. idea they did that. I Wikipedia'd it well, as research. Next podcast, I might be reviewing mm-hmm. the good Siren. Uh, the last movie, also by uh, Adam Wingard, who did my least favourite, uh, Tate 56 of VHS, uh, did a movie called You're Next, which I don't know if you've spoken about in the pod before. I, I not. not on the pod, but I've got mm-hmm. it on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and I really like it. My Do memory. You know, I wanted to good. watch it forever because I've always seen it on Netflix. Um, it's on Netflix, is it? Yeah, and I've heard good like good things about it, um, and I uh, I enjoyed it. It was quite a good film. It was it did well, kind of blending bits of comedy and bits of you know the home invasion kind of films. I've never been a big fan of the home home invasion kind of films. Like Strangers is it Strangers or what's what's the one? Oh, with, yeah, the one with Liv Tyler. Yeah. Like Strangers. I love you that love movie. You love that movie. I don't, I don't like that movie at all. I found it boring as hell. It's crazy. It shows you how different we are because mm. I love home invasion movies. Mm. And why? Because we all live in a home, well most of us. Yeah. And that's kind of freaky the idea of home invasion. But I, I quite enjoyed uh, your next the main character the Australian girl who I don't have my laptop with me, so I can't remember now. I thought she was uh, really good. Some of the, and you even mentioned this when we talked about it, some of the acting was really bad. Yeah, I remember um, that. But I, mean, yeah. and, you know, I wondered, was it on purpose or was mm-hmm. it just, and I think it was just 
failure mm-hmm. of actors. Uh, but I remember the main girl. I mean, the main girl, uh, Sharon Vinson, mm-hmm. who plays Aaron. Yeah, she was good. What she turns into in the last act is so much fun. Yeah. She's so cool in the movie. Mm-hmm. I actually remember watching the movie years ago and thinking, yeah. there's a movie star. But mm-hmm. I haven't really heard of her since. I, I don't know what she's done. Never, never seen her so before. Well, this movie is like 2011, so it's a few years old now. Six years old. I thought the com like I, I like I said it was I, I like kind of horror comedy. I don't think it was that funny or clever. You know, it wasn't like a satire or anything. Um, and it was never that scary or gruesome, but it did both things deep like well enough for me to enjoy. It, like to come out of that movie going, that, that was pretty good. So, it's a home invasion story about you know a family. They're um, you know they're having their family fights and stuff, and then suddenly people in animal masks come in and start killing them. They've already killed their, their neighbours in the opening opening scene, which is basically just the, you know, Adam Wingard enjoying the, the beginning scene of, you know, someone having sex and then getting killed. Um, he's obviously horror a horror movies. fan. Yeah, um, and then you meet this family who, you know, ha- have their family tension and problems and arguments and everything, and then suddenly there's this home invasion. And uh, one by one, of course, they start getting killed and attacked and... Why, you know, whether or not it's just a random home invasion or, you know, um, you start to learn that there's there's more to it. And I didn't see the first twist coming. Um, there's a first twist where you kind of learn what's going on. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I didn't, you know, I didn't think it would be that kind of movie. But once that twist happened, the final twist was foreseeable from very far away to the point where I was watching going, I'm just waiting for this twist to happen now. So, so so once the first, once you kind of learn what's going on, you learn the few people who are behind it. By the end of it, by then you were like, "Oh, we're just waiting to find out that uh, the person responsible for it all is is this person over here." And it's 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 so obvious. It's just you know, it's not funny. So, um, I thought the the final twist didn't work as well because you could see it coming from a mile away. But then it it ends on a. On a really cool, gruesome scene, um, it's it's a lot of fun. The movie, there's, it doesn't do anything greatly. It's, it's no nowhere near like the quality of Cabin in the Woods or something like that. And it's not, oh, like, it's yeah, not a satire. No. The comedy comes from characters doing, you know, saying funny things. And I, and to the, the one character that I found the funniest, I can't really talk about too much because it's a bit of a spoiler. But yeah, I'd say three stars. Three, three, three stars. I really, uh, I, I don't think it was a great film, but it did what it needed to do well enough. I really think my favorite Adam Wingard film, mm-hmm. and the reason why I mean I like your next. My mm-hmm. memory of the movie because it's been so long since I've seen mm-hmm. it is I really like the last act because I thought it was so much fun and gruesome mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, but my favorite movie of his and the one you really have to see, and I've said on this podcast before, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say one more time on this podcast is you have to see the guest. Mm-hmm. I hope I haven't overhyped it now, mm-hmm. but the guest with Dan Stevens, I love Dan Stevens. Michael Monroe. I didn't know who Dan Stevens was until like three months ago. Well, but he is Dan amazing Stevens. in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's amazing in the movie. Michael, Monro- Michael Monroe's obviously in mm-hmm. it. She's amazing, full stop. And it's got this 80s vibe to it. It's got an 80s synth soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's like Halloween meets The Terminator, mm-hmm. but not on a huge budget, like lower budget. And it really has that sort of 80s feel to it in such mm-hmm. a good way. And it's my favorite Wingard movie, yeah. Wingard. And you should check it out. Mm-hmm. I really get this feeling that you'll like the guest. Cool. Uh, so check it out, everyone in the whole world. Um, and now, uh, get out, I guess. Oh, we're already up to it. No more movies for you. No more movies for me. Oh, well, I guess that we'll have a short little break. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll play the trailer for Get Out. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come back. But don't we'll... go anywhere. But don't... <laughs> You're next. <laughs> oh, very clever. 
Look who's talking. To... No, I've got nothing. Look Sorry, go on. Uh, that wasn't even good, your next. It didn't make any sense. No. If you actually think about it, it makes no sense. Why yeah, but happen? now that we've mentioned that it doesn't make... Like, if we say it fast enough, people aren't going to understand that it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, uh, anyway, we'll, be, we'll play a little bit of the trailer for Get Out, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Get Out. And I can't wait to talk about Get Out, so mm-hmm. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter. I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the beat. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? And that was from the trailer of Get Out, the new film from writer-director Jordan Peele, uh, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Alison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Catherine Keener, uh, and Lil Rel Howery, and various others. Hey, so I remember you saying, I don't know if it was on pod or off pod, that you saw the trailer for Get Out and in the cinema with a, a mate of ours, Matt, and you said this movie looks like crap or something like that. <laughs> we saw that we looked at the trailer yeah. and we turned to each other and we both basically said, Well, we're not seeing that. <laughs> because this was before it came out in America, before mm-hmm. the reviews were any good. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't look good the trailer. I don't know if you've seen the trailer. I have seen the trailer. I saw it before I saw the movie and I have to admit I, I saw the trailer after I looked at the reviews and like, I'm gonna check this out. And the trailer didn't really excite me. I, I thought it doesn't look like a good trailer. But the movie is apparently... Who cares about the yeah. trailer, though? Because I've seen the movie now, and spoilers for my review, because it's hey, a review. Hey, you, you liked the Suicide Squad trailer, didn't you? Yeah, that was... There you go. So, tra- Suicide trailers Squad. can't tell you. No, trailers don't tell you anything. Mm. We just get excited. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, the trailer for Get Out wasn't very good, but the movie itself was damn good. That's all I can say. But mm-hmm. um, before we get into our discussion, I want to say really quickly that we will talk spoiler-free for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll go to Chris, he'll say his opinion, I'll go to myself, and I'll say my opinion, we'll talk for a little bit, and then we'll get to spoilers at one stage, because there's definitely spoilers to talk about, but uh, we'll give you a nice clear warning when we get to spoilers. But right now, we'll be spoiler-free for the next, I don't know, we'll see how long, mm-hmm. half an hour. Cool. So, Chris Hargy, spoiler-free, mm-hmm. uh, what did you I, think of Get Out? I, I loved it. Um, I didn't know what to expect, um, based on... You know, I guess the trailer and even, you know, the reviews, it was meant to be really good. Um, <laughs> it was meant to be really good. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. It's a great satire. Um, Daniel Kaluuya as uh, Chris, I thought was awesome. And it really, 
Um, now, I don't know if you know this, uh, Nick, not. and I don't want to like blow your mind or anything in the middle of a podcast, but I'm not a black man. I'm a white Australian. So, Oh, shit, really? Uh, <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to put this. But like, it, it really... It really put you in kind of this, in like a political way. It kind of put you in the shoes of what it's like to be around white liberals who are overtly trying not to be racist, and mm-hmm. and how it can make you feel so alone. Um, I was actually really surprised at how uncomfortable I felt for uh, felt for Chris, and I think that's probably something that he'd um, he that. Uh, I think it's a point that Jordan Peele was trying to make, but at the same time, the the horror elements, I, I wasn't that scary. But I was creeped out at a few times. Um, Bradley Whitford is like amazing at these sort of characters. Um, it took me a while to recognise who he was. Yeah, was, because he's so old looking with the he, he, bold and the white beard. The acting was amazing. Amazing. The acting was amazing. Betty Gabriel, I thought, who played Georgina, unique face. Unique face. Seriously, that's why. Yeah, she has this unique but face. She, We'll go into more in the spoiler section, but when you watch her face and th- what what she's doing and what's uh, and how she's acting, it makes it, it's creepy and weird and cool. But it makes so much sense by the time you you know you know the twist of the movie and you find out what's going on. Um, you think it works well as a thriller horror kind of film. It works well as satire. It's funny. It's off-putting. It does everything really, really, really well. I was really impressed with the. With how everything came together, it's not like Cabin in the Woods, which is a, a satire of horror. It's a satire of, uh, I guess, white it's a social li- satire. Yeah, social satire of white liberal uh, racism, and it uses that to fuel a really interesting horror concept. Well, Jordan Peele said that you know he's often the only black man in a room, mm-hmm. and he wanted to make a movie that showed that mm-hmm. story because let's face it, we don't see in movies. Very much this perspective. Mm-hmm. We don't get black leads in horror films, a black male lead, mm-hmm. and we don't get a black director in horror yeah. films normally. So it's a very unique perspective, mm-hmm. and and it the, the perspective is amazing. It does like, an amazing it, job because it really puts you. Yeah. Well, I, I like we always say that, you know we understand this kind you know oh, you know white liberal upper class you know we, we kind of understand this culture, but it wasn't until I saw this movie, and I'm not saying I understand it fully, I'm, I never will because I'm. As again, shocking to you, I'm a white person, but it really made me feel so uncomfortable for for Chris the entire movie. The whole party scene I thought was incredible. It blacks in fashion. <laughs> I, thought, I I actually wrote down in my notes one of my notes somewhere mm-hmm. on these pages I wrote was that it's I can't remember the last time a movie did such a good job at putting mm-hmm. me in the shoes of the main character. Yeah, because like I'm the same as you. I'm not black. I'm white. What Australian? This is how you tell me. And I. But it doesn't really matter because that it puts you. In, it just you just you're with him mm-hmm. and you you feel this awkwardness throughout the film. Mm-hmm. This movie has it's just awkward. Yeah, for, for the first two thirds of the movie, I mean, you know, because you know the kind of movie that oh, something yeah. is going on. But it could be just that they're trying. You know, the misinformed white people are you know trying their best, and it could have been that there's no purposefully evil intentions, but it's just teaching you how awkward it is but it, it, everything comes together so well well the way i see this mm-hmm. is that this film has three major tones at place mm-hmm. thematic tones mm-hmm. and i think it plays them all perfectly mm-hmm. and they're also different from each other but amazingly they all work together 
Mm-hmm. And the three tones of this, Go. or the thematics, uh, one, what's it like to be the only black man in a room? Mm-hmm. That's number one. Yep. And if you think about the first half of this film, mm-hmm. don't worry about the horror that happens at the end, like mm-hmm. you said. The first half of this film, it really puts you into the shoes of a guy who's a minority mm-hmm. going into a, into a white neighborhood, mm-hmm. big, rich, upper class, liberals, whites, who are not... And if don't worry about the horror. We know, going into this movie, that there has to be some evil underneath suburbia mm-hmm. because that's the movie we're watching mm-hmm. but I actually think that this movie works on a level outside of that before that where these people aren't trying to be racist you can watch it as in mm-hmm. I voted for Obama I would have voted I would have yeah. voted for him for a third term he mm-hmm. says dude every two seconds mm-hmm. because he's they're not used to t- being in the same room as a black person mm-hmm. a minority so they're trying they're not racist people in a way uh, but they are but they're, they're racist by not being racist. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're just awkward because they're not used to being around him. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of Zootopia mm-hmm. in a very simple way. That it, no, Zootopia is not the same sort of movie, but Zootopia is about how everyone has internal... We have all got prejudice inside us. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not from an evil place, mm-hmm. everyone has prejudice inside us, but it's sometimes we are too afraid to look in the mirror to see that we have that prejudice mm-hmm. inside us. Zootopia does this perfectly. And I think that theme of this film about white people who are not trying to be racist but they are just Mm -hmm. because they seem as being different Mm -hmm. is kind of well i mean they are i'm saying in in the movie there's more to the plot but i actually think the first third works by itself as just a story about a black man going into a white family Mm -hmm. and they're not trying to be evil and racist they don't think they're racist Mm -hmm. but they are just because of the way they seem as being different Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I the dude. I never heard my father say "dude" so many times, but that's just it's, I, a, a bad movie. A bad movie, mm-hmm. and this can happen easily. A really bad movie would have the white father come out with a shotgun, saying, "You're not dating my white daughter," mm-hmm. uh, or and you know, secretly, you know, you look into the other room and you see a Confederate flag hanging. Yeah, that's a bad movie. Yeah, but this movie does it in a realistic way, where these people. Before we get into the second half of the mm-hmm. film, because we all know they're evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not spoilers. Mm-hmm. We know the family has some sort of evil behind them. Mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling anything. But the first third of the movie, I think, works on a separate plane where it's just about... Jordan Peele's clearly had this situation happen to him before. Mm-hmm. And he's showing about how these people don't think they're... They're not bad. They don't hate black people. Mm-hmm. But they, but they but see they, them they, There's a subtle racism in them mm-hmm. just because they say, oh, you must be a basketballer because you're black. Mm-hmm. But they're not trying to be evil. They don't hate, and they say, to and them, they don't understand that it's it. And which say, a lot of it, well, it, people don't understand. Which I'm sure, and which, which that's I'm what sh- I think Zootopia shows yeah. does really well. Where it shows that everyone has this internal prejudice in them. Mm-hmm. That's why Zootopia is such a clever mm-hmm. film. And there you go. And I think this movie does that. So that's the first theme that the film does really, really well of the three that I mentioned. The other two things that I think this movie does so well is this: the second tone, thematic tone of this film is that it's goddamn funny, mm-hmm. and little Ray. Little Rel. Oh, sorry. Little Rel Howry. It might be Ray. I don't no, know. No, it is Rel. Yeah. Little Rel Howry, who mm-hmm. plays his friend Rod. Yeah. Now, on paper, that shouldn't work, this character. Because mm-hmm. no, it, it does seem differently tonally. It, completely. Mm-hmm. It's a different movie yeah. when he's in it. And if you told me on paper we're going to have this sort of character in the movie, mm-hmm. I would say, well, I don't think that's going to fit mm-hmm. in your social satire horror thriller. Mm-hmm. But it works. And I and I, if you sat me down and said, why does it work? I can't tell you why except maybe because it's just funny yeah so i laughed mm-hmm. because it so easily couldn't have worked mm-hmm. but i loved every scene he was in mm-hmm. he was like in a totally different movie but i thought it was so funny yeah i the, the scene where he goes and tells the cops about the white slavers yeah is one of the funniest things i've seen in so long yeah i was laughing so much mm-hmm. uh, i've never laughed so much at someone yelling white slavers out <laughs> loud and you understand when you see it if you haven't seen the movie like seriously it was funny so mm-hmm. that's tone two you've got a social satire that i really think 
does an amazing job at putting you in the shoes of a main character that I'm mm-hmm. not, which I think is a great job for any good film. Yeah. Then you've got this comedy that works amazingly well, but doesn't hijack that tone. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the last thing, which I think it does very well as well, and that's the horror thriller aspect of the film, mm-hmm. where through and I've never seen this happen before. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever seen a movie quite like this before. Through the awkward comedy satire of the white people trying to be black but mm-hmm. not racist, we know there's something going on. Mm-hmm. There's a tension building. So out of awkwardness, tension starts building. Mm-hmm. It's never over the top suspense. You even mm-hmm. got one jump scare at night time. Yeah. And you got this moment with this guy running that, at him. That was really creepy, that that scene. Considering it was just a guy running. It was really, yeah, no. Really, and just, really, the music. and But like other than those sequences, there's not really that much... A lot of the tension is built from just awkwardness, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's subtle awkwardness. And so the tension slowly builds. I found myself watching this movie. Mm. And when he first meets the parents, I just got sucked into the movie. Mm-hmm. Like completely sucked in. Yeah. I don't know where the 100 minutes went. Mm-hmm. I got sucked in. I was so compelled, but I felt this tension. I was like, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. But like, and the way that it's so well written mm-hmm. by Jordan Peele that there's moments where the characters will say something and you're saying to yourself, should I interpret it that way? Mm-hmm. Or should I interpret it that way? Mm-hmm. And you understand if you've seen the movie and you don't know how to feel and it adds tension. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen tension build like that before. And it was really suspenseful. Mm-hmm. And then, that, no spoilers, it goes to a climax. Mm-hmm. And then we have an ending by a director, Jordan Peele, who clearly is a horror fan that understands with horror movies, you build to a moment and then you have crazy survival gore and horror and mm-hmm. violence and just... And I just... It all comes together beautifully, and I can't believe the comedy because it's not like Scream, different movie anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Scream's got like comedy horror that works beautifully together as mm-hmm. well. But this is even crazier how it works together because the comedy in Scream is more subtle in a mm-hmm. way. But Lil Rel Rod, Rod's character is like in a different movie, and it works. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how that happens. Mm-hmm. And I just love how the tension builds, but not by over the top moments, by just the characters talking. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the last 10, 15 minutes. I think Quentin Tarantino would have been proud. I don't think this movie is scary. And no. I think that's why I wouldn't rate it as but one of the great tense. horror films. But it's tense. Mm-hmm. And the last 10 minutes has that sort of thing that Quentin Tarantino loves to do where it's a revenge movie in a way. Mm-hmm. And you can't wait to see some of the bad people in this movie get killed violently. Like You want that. Did you want violent deaths? For oh, some yeah, people? yeah, absolutely. So that's why I'm saying Tarantino would be proud. So it's mm-hmm. amazing that I've just said a movie that's a social satire about that works by itself, that's a comedy, the, that works by itself, a thriller, horror, gore-fest, revenge film, and it all works. The amazing thing is the social, like, like the social satire side of it could be just social satire, but it, the twist and the horror twist that takes it to a, you know, a, a different theme, it complements that social satire so well. It doesn't take away from it. It's everything that you've seen. You, I, I want to see it a second time and look back on it and... Uh, and see how it fits together but like looking back on it it just works so well in yes. so many ways and i was so impressed that this is jordan peele's first movie oh, I actually it's kind think... of amazing that it's so complicated and mm-hmm. it comes together so well for a first-time filmmaker like seriously I, I said before it's kind of a it's not the movie you kind of expect but it kind of makes sense from him like because you know as uh, a black entertainer he does a lot of that kind of satire of you know of how difficult it is being black with with him and um keegan Oh god, I forgot his name. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't watch Peel and Kill. They're... Maybe I have to try it out though. Yeah. After um, this movie, they're both in Fargo season one. Oh, then I've seen them. Yeah, who are they in Fargo season they one? Played the F- they Fargo. played the FBI, the comical police FBI agents that uh, died. So in the I last have episode. seen them all yeah. before. Yeah. I just didn't recognize them. 
So they do that kind of... That's what comedy is. is a normal situation kind of enhanced yeah. where you focus on the absurdity of it all. And that's actually kind of what Get uh, Get Out is. Is it's kind of pushing... You know, meeting the family... You know, meeting your white liberal family as, uh, as a minority. Uh, and it pushes it to extremes. And it just does it so amazing without going stupid... It doesn't, you know, stupid it doesn't comedy tip over. That... You know, imagine, say, and this is, a, again, an extreme that probably doesn't work, but imagine, like, the Wayan brothers trying to do something like that. Well, they couldn't do it. That's no. the thing. But I think a lesser movie is over the top and overt. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie works so well that that social satire and that beginning, that first half of the film mm-hmm. with all the tension with him and the, with the white family mm-hmm. works because it always seems realistic. Yeah. Unfortunately, but it always seems, like, real. Mm-hmm. Nothing anyone says to anyone ever seems over the top. Mm-hmm. It just seems like... And what I found kind of interesting in is how... Chris's character is so used to it. Yeah. So you got his white girlfriend is like, I'm sorry, I can't believe my dad said dude all yeah. the time. But like, he's just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's He's just so used mm-hmm. to it. And I think that that's what, like someone like mm-hmm. Jordan Peele has to go through all the time. Yeah. Like, And it's not like he's meeting people that hate blacks. I hate all of you. Yeah. No, he's just, everyone's... Yeah, he does start to notice that there's something's wrong, especially when talking to, uh, what's her name? The weird... Weird face, uh, Betty Gabriel, who makes the weird faces all the time. Which well, is that great moment where the camera sits on her for a long time. The one that, with tears trailer, in her eyes. Oh, I don't know, I can't remember now. Yeah. But she's a really good moment in the movie, acting so, wise. Yeah. Um, uh, that's when, you know, the pieces start to, to fall apart. Uh, another thing I really enjoyed, which I don't think is a spoiler, because it's the first scene, is um, you oh. have the, uh, the oh, uh, Andre, yeah. the, you know, the, uh, the black guy walking down the street, and then a car stops, and it's just kind of. Because you think in real life, you know, again, the, the whole racism thing, you think, you know, you see in so many movies or in, in real life, those, you know, white people, if they saw, you know, a, a black person kind of walk up from a dark street, they'd probably freak out because that's what that unfortunately, some yeah. of the, you know, the stereotypes do. I'm trying to put this in a, does it make sense what I'm saying? Or is it? I'm not saying that they should. I'm saying that's, that's kind what of, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. And that's the kind of movie that... You know, get out is trying to show you happens. I'm not saying it's a good thing that happens, or that uh, I'm saying that it happens. But uh, yeah, I thought it was just a very good play on uh, one. You know, the opening horror scene, and two, kind of turned that turned it around on the audience. Glad you mentioned the opening scene because it reminded me a little bit of uh, It Follows opening one take as yeah. well. Uh, not exactly the same, but I just really loved the shorthand of a filmmaker making his first film and his opening scene is all done in one take. Mm-hmm. Put you into the world. It's really well put together. Mm-hmm. It's full of tension. And then it has a credit sequence, which I can't stop singing all weekend. It's so, cha-cha. I can't, I've been doing that all weekend, mm-hmm. that bloody song. It's so annoying. My mum thought I was putting a spell on her. Like, what are you doing? I can't stop singing the main theme of this movie, mm-hmm. So, which also sounds really good in surround sound. Goes, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I really like the opening one-shot take. And it just like, it, it reminded me of uh, It Follows. Mm-hmm. Acting? Well, David Kaluuya, mm-hmm. who plays Chris, uh, we've all seen him before. Well, we haven't all, but I've seen him before on... Black Mirror, that's where mm-hmm. most people and know him really from. good in that. That was the great episode, uh, what's it called? Uh, 15 Million Credits? 15 Maris. Million Merits. Merits. Uh, which is one of the best episodes. Of, that's actually my favourite of the first season. Mm-hmm. Oh, second favourite. Good season, the first one. Mm. Uh, the one where he does the bike riding stuff. Anyway, I've seen him there before. never seen him since. Actually, that's not true. I saw him in Sicario. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know it was him in Sicario. Because he looks I can't cool. remember him in Sicario. He's the partner in Sicario of Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I've seen him in this film mm-hmm. and he's very good. Mm-hmm. I thought, actually, I thought the whole cast was very good. Mm-hmm. I thought Alison Williams, mm-hmm. who plays Rose, I want to talk more about 
some scenes in the spoiler section later mm, on because yeah. I can't talk about them all now. But I thought she was very, very good. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. I thought she was so pretty. So there's a little bit. I just thought she was really pretty. Mm-hmm. It was great seeing Catherine Keener again. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her for Jesus. I think the last time I saw her was uh, the one with Tom Hanks based on the true story, Captain Phillips. I think she played his wife from my memory. That's the I last can't time remember I saw her. In, in Captain Phillips. She's just the Phillips. wife, short scene. She's mm-hmm. better than just the wife. She's very mm-hmm. good in this bloody movie. Mm-hmm. Just some good scenes. I think when I think about this movie, I'm always going to think about a teacup. Yeah. So, and that's part of her character. Bradley Whitford, very mm-hmm. good. Unrecognizable for the first 10 minutes. Oh, I didn't find him unrecognizable. Like, seriously, I, I, I've seen him before, mm-hmm. but he just looks so different with the white beard and the glasses and the hair. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's aged. Keith Stanfield, mm-hmm. who played, it's hard without spoilers, but he played another guy that might. Oh, you know who I'm talking about. Wait, you don't know who I'm talking he, about. He plays another guy that he meets the He meets this party, guy yeah. at a party and he sort of talks really weird, like a zombie's got a hat on, you know which one I'm talking about yeah. now. And I really like how he, I liked his performance. Mm. There was something really cool about the way he smiled. Mm. I just thought he was really cool. Again, he was in the trailer, so I don't think uh, it's big, big Well, he, he meets this guy and there's something with him going on, mm-hmm. which is obvious from the beginning, so it's not a spoiler again. Yeah. This whole movie's about something weird going on, you, mm-hmm. but you don't know what it is. Yeah. It's not a spoiler to say there's something weird going on. Yeah, I just thought um, it was really it... cool. Overall, though, uh, yeah, the cast was good. Mm-hmm. The writing was superbly subtle, mm-hmm. which I think needs to get the biggest tick of all, mm-hmm. is how subtle this movie could have been, because it could have been very easily not subtle. Mm-hmm. I think that when I first watched the movie, mm-hmm. and we all know you you had the same feeling, mm-hmm. we weren't the only people who had this feeling, and we'll talk about it in spoilers later mm-hmm. on better, but there was a certain ending I thought the movie was going to do, yep. and I thought when it was happening, I thought, Oh no, in a good way. Like, oh sh- no, like mm-hmm. I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't want it to happen. Me too. But I thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then when it didn't happen, my first thought was, is that a cop out? Mm-hmm. But then my second thought is, now the more that I think about the movie, I'm actually glad that it didn't have the ending I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Peele very geniusly plays us like a like a little Hitchcockian string yeah. where he make he does it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm not special thinking... I'm not special. You and me aren't special mm-hmm. because we thought that was going to happen because that's exactly what he wanted us to do. I think a lot of people thought that's going to happen. And I think... I think it's better you, because you, of that. Yeah. That and it and I, I agree. And I... And I was, I was, yeah, and well, I don't know if... You know, thematically, it would make sense if, if the ending happened. And I, I want to talk about it now before we get into spoilers. But yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like the fact you didn't go the way that you expected it to. I think it would have been more preachy mm-hmm. in a certain way and mm-hmm. dark. Yeah. And I don't think this movie... This movie has social satire about racism, mm-hmm. but it's not preachy. Yeah. It's not self-righteous. It's just subtle. He tells... This is a situation as a black man I deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. Feel the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're evil people. It's like, oh, they are, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. But... But this is what I feel. But he didn't want to make a social commentary and make his whole movie about racism. Yeah. Like, most movies about racism are about the people who are extreme sons of bitches, who are assholes, who have slaves in the South before the Civil War. Yeah. That's racism in movies. Mm-hmm. Where this is a much different sort of racism. Mm-hmm. It's it's, And I, I think if we got the ending we thought we were going to get, it would turn more into the typical movie we see. Mm-hmm. And it would have taken away from the fun feeling of this whole film. Yeah. So when I first watched I thought that's what should happen. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's not what should happen because I think that ending would have hijacked the whole film. Because this movie has got racism in it. Like mm-hmm. it's about it a little bit. But the whole movie's not about racism. Mm. It's about more, it's a horror but film it's and it's a, a comedy. It's also talk, t- telling Sorry, you about yeah. how... You know, because you know, people think that racism is, you know, uh, what, what we expect to happen in lynch the ending. Them. Or, yeah, lynch them or, you know, slavery. But it's 
and that's why a lot of people think, well, you know, racism doesn't ex- uh, exist in you know society anymore. What, what, what are you talking about? And this movie, it kind of shows you what it is. And I can I get that if if they went with the ending they were expecting, it would have been that kind of wow, it's really, really, really. Uh, you know, you, you expect us to say it's always really, really, really this bad, but it, let's get into the spoiler section. It's getting too hard. Oh, do you, so you want to go to spoilers? Let's so go to spoilers. Do, do you want to give you a star rating before spoilers or just wait to after? Ooh. Or you want to work it out as you go? Let's work it out as we go. I really like the movie. It'd be four and a half, maybe? I, I really enjoyed the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's... I think it did everything amazingly well. Amazingly, and, and I, I'm actually kind of shocked that it works so well as it is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, because it juggles so many and, things. And I, I, I talked earlier about your next and how I thought it did everything decently. Get out is different. It did everything incredibly. Yeah, and it did. It had more to work with, and it was much harder to work with. And this is Jordan Peele's first movie, and he wrote it as well, mm-hmm. which makes it more impressive. Mm-hmm. He didn't just direct someone else's script or anything, which is still a hard job. But he mm-hmm. actually wrote this whole thing, mm-hmm. and the writing is so strong in this film. The writing is so strong in this film. That I'm going to say right now, it should get an Oscar nomination mm-hmm. without a doubt for original screenplay because I think it's really well written. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to because it's probably a horror film that it might just mm-hmm. because the creep reaction is so strong. But it is so early in the year, so by the time the Oscars come around in March, or yeah. February, will they even remember this movie? Yeah. Hopefully they do because the Oscars are very much. Oh, did it come out in December? Mm-hmm. Oh, then we don't know. I think it's worthy of that sort of recognition. I think the writing is very strong in this it film. Is very Actually, I think it's maybe the strongest thing of this movie. I thought his directing was very good. Mm-hmm. For a movie that only cost $5 million, it looked very polished. Mm-hmm. At Blum, Blumhouse. So, is it Blumhouse? Yeah, Blumhouse, the producer. Yeah, makes millions off $5 million movies what, all the what time. What a smart movie company they've turned out to be. I mean, well, they obviously get the right people to make movies. Mm-hmm. Because this movie costs nothing, and it's made so much money because of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. That's why I was so happy that this movie made so much money. Because mm-hmm. this movie made so much money because it's good. Yeah. And that's kind of even rarer nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because most movies nowadays, it's like Batman v Superman, get it, get it out into as many screens as possible before people realise it's shit. Mm-hmm. And then we're stuck. And get out is the opposite. Well, yeah. yeah. And we had these amazing drops in North America, like 20%, like mm-hmm. every week, 25, which is just incredible nowadays. Mm-hmm. It made like 190 million. 190 million for this sort of size movie. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad it exists. I've seen two movies this year that would will be talked about at the end of this year as top 10 of the year. Worthy. Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to be there? I don't know. But this and Logan are the two really good movies mm-hmm. I've seen this year. Yeah. I think this works in a lot of ways more than Logan because Logan has a little bit more problems, I think. Mm-hmm. But I also like Logan a lot for other reasons too, yeah. so I don't know. But uh, I love this movie. Yeah. I think the only thing that's missing from the movie, and I think this is why it won't go down as a horror classic, mm-hmm. horror, is that I don't think it's scary enough. I don't think it needed to be scary. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't freak me out, but it did leave me on the edge of my seat mm-hmm. and suck me in. And it was so funny. And it made it, and it put me into the shoes of the main character, like you mm-hmm. said, perfectly. So I really liked the movie. And I'd, I'd probably give it a very similar kind of review to you. I think like four and, four and, a, half. and a half sort of thing. Yeah. But this is the sort of movie... Where I need to see it more than once, mm-hmm. will it grow? I have a feeling it will grow mm-hmm. because there might be things in there that we haven't seen yet. There's one thing that I thought of when I saw the second second time. And I oh, so you seen it twice. The, No, I haven't seen it. But one thing that I thought if I see it in the second time, oh. it will make sense. We, we have to talk about it. Okay, well, that's it. We're going to go to spoilers now. So mm-hmm. it's not it overall. Yeah. And we've got a lot to talk about in spoilers. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't switch see off the movie. seen the movie. It's good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. See the movie. Uh, owe it to yourself to see movies like this because you've got to. You know, with your wallet, with your money, yeah. show people that you want to see this sort of movies. Mm-hmm. Support this kind of movies. Yeah. So anyway, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Yay, yay, spoilers. So, as anyone who's seen the movie mm-hmm. and who's listening to this podcast knows, what we were talking about with the ending was that uh, 
we all thought when we saw the cop car lights mm-hmm. blinking that he was going to get shot for killing yeah. a white family. Because we live in the sad... Well, well I thought either shot or arrested. Well, I thought well, I was thinking shot, mm-hmm. but because that's more dramatic. But yeah, yeah it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Peele wants you to feel that. Yeah. Because in the first... One scene we haven't talked about yet, because I thought it'd be too spoiler to bring it up, mm-hmm. was that early on in the movie, they run into a, a deer, mm-hmm. I think it is, and... Uh, his girlfriend's driving, mm-hmm. uh, whatever her name is, Rose. Yeah. And uh, they get the cops in. The cops are talking to her, interviewing mm-hmm. her. He's just sitting off the side in shock because he... And I think that's a moment that makes you endeared to him a little bit more because he's so in shock about someone mm-hmm. dying. But that's another story. So we're seeing him sitting separately and the white cop is interviewing the girlfriend and then he wants to see his license as mm-hmm. well. And he's happy to give it because he's, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into a fight with a cop. Mm-hmm. But she's like, well, no, you're not giving your license. You didn't mm-hmm. drive. You don't have to give your license. And I think he's... He was subtly putting in there at the beginning of the movie, just trying to remind you that this is something that I think African-Americans especially, because we're talking mm-hmm. about a North American movie, have to do with all the time when it comes to white cops sort of looking at them and profiling mm-hmm. him about meeting him. Yeah. So I think... I, I want to get back to that scene afterwards too. I think it works because if you don't have that cop scene at the beginning, I don't know what you would feel at the end of the movie. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd feel the same or not, but I think by putting that scene in there, he's planting the seeds that you know they look at him mm-hmm. as, he's black, watch out. He's going to steal your children mm-hmm. and eat your grandma. Planting a seed early mm-hmm. on. And that's why I think at the end of the movie, he's obviously playing you like a violin yeah. because he's saying, I put this in there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of issues happening in America, in North America with the black community and white cops. Yeah. And so he's playing on that mm-hmm. early on. So then by the time you see the, the, the lights blinking at the end, you're thinking, how does this look? Mm-hmm. And this uh, well rich white family dead. And Alison Williams' character, who's evil by the way, spoiler. Help, when she started uh, getting help. Yeah, is kind of like laughing because she thinks she's won at that point too. Because yeah, that that's too. what she expects. Do you need the scene at the beginning for us to think that at the end? I don't know now. I'm just thinking that it seems I don't like think it you was, need it. Yeah, probably not. But it kind of I thought he was planting a seed there. I kinda of, I think I thought it started the you know you know, the, the awkwardness of him going into this, you know, prominently white town small town that's uh yeah i thought it was a good scene because it showed that and it kind of showed the town that he was going to or also in my mind it kind of made alison williams character look like you know she's whether or not she's you know being too loud about it or you know a bit up herself at that time i thought you know she was trying to be the social you know warrior and like you know she sticks up for people and she doesn't believe you know believe that this should be this kind of uh, kind of racism, but I was listening to another podcast uh, slash film podcast about it, uh, and uh, they're talking. Actually, when you think about it, the reason she piped up there was probably so the policeman didn't get his license, so that he never re- you know he never got the identity of um, of Chris. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's probably that's, true that's too. Cool. By the way, yeah, I didn't even think about that yet. Yeah, I didn't even think of that at but all. But that makes one hundred percent sense. Yeah, it's like she didn't want because uh, otherwise, then they know he came into the town, and that police officer may have figured it out. I mean, there's a lot of little clues throughout the film about what was going on that I find it crazy. Like, I was questioning, like, they were together for only four months. Mm-hmm. And she's meeting the parents. But the way they act is like they're in love forever. Mm-hmm. I, was thinking, why, I was thinking, why did the writer, why did Jordan Peele make it only four months together? Yeah. it's But now you know why. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, she targets black men and then uh, brings them home to meet the family because they're genetically superior. Oh, they're in vogue right now. So, so here is the thing that kind of, and this is the thing that I, the only thing that I can think of. Everything else makes sense. Like the reactions of the guy that you said you really liked, who was Andre from the beginning scene, who had been brainwashed, um, and the maid who turned out to be the white slave. Yeah, and the grandmother. They're not brainwashed. The brain stems were 
implanted. It was with bit, the other brain. Yeah, with the other brain. There's only so a little bit of like, the old person and, in there. And they were implanted because they, and they black people because they were more, again, liberal racism. They thought they, you know, they were, uh, they were stronger and faster and, and everything than white people. That's why they chose black people. It was a very... It was a beautiful twist. Uh, I didn't want to, because mm. we couldn't mention it yet, but we were talking about before about subtle racist, about people who, they believe that they're not racist because they don't hate black people, but they're racist because they single them out as being different. And that played into the twist as well. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're being positive. They like yeah. black people because they're genetically stronger. Yeah. But it's still... So you're looking at all differently all the time. They, so, don't, they, don't, they don't understand. It's so it plays beautifully all the time. It's kind mm-hmm. of amazing that even the subtle racist happens with the horror at the end, mm-hmm. in that sense. Even though this plot line, when you really think about it, is really stupid. Mm-hmm. But I guess this movie gets away with it, it because it never takes itself yeah. too seriously. Um, the only character... Oh, I've, I've went off target. So Oh, yeah, sorry. I, so I the... The, the only thing that I can think of, they obviously do this all the time. They bring out the guy, then they do an auction over him, which, yeah. you know, in that faking a bingo. The bingo thing, By yeah. the way, so two folks that I, I kind of... They don't need to do the bingo thing when no one else is there, yeah. Well, the bingo <laughs> thing, like, if if uh, Chris and all the their victims are part of the party, how often would they not be around the bingo game? Like, wouldn't they be around the bingo well, game? It's just a job to take you away at one stage. I guess so, yeah. Uh, and the second thing is, Bradley Whitford's character was really kind of, you know... He didn't really know what to say. You would have thought that he'd be used to it by now. He would have been used to it by now, or that Alison Williams would have said, uh, "Don't say it this time. You're just making him feel more uncomfortable." Or well, I guess that's why there's three different pieces to the movie. I really mm-hmm. do feel that the first half of the film, where it's just uh, mm-hmm. you know, guess who's coming to dinner, yeah, really does work by itself as its own story. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of think it, like, maybe she lets it go because he needs to feel like because the whole thing is uncomfortable. But they could get away with it, as in we don't know. You know, uh, that's just how my white family is. Uh, but I, I think those are the only things that wouldn't work as well in my mind. I honestly reckon, I reckon if you think too much about it, mm-hmm. I reckon there is holes in this movie. But I think they're very. But little, I think it I think they're little holes, and I don't think it matters. Mm. And I think I, because it's, that's not the spirit of this movie. And I think everything else works so much better, like the reactions of all the characters, and I, I think everything goes together really well. And it's, those little things are, are very little things. I just, I, I just always wondered, like, if he's always going, I. Yeah, if she she already made a joke saying he's probably going to say something like um, I voted for Obama and um, I would have voted for a third and he said term. It for a third term. He's obviously said that to Dude. the other one. So why hasn't she said don't say that? It's just making them uncomfortable. Because I guess if they're too normal, then he will think something going on here. Yeah. Because white people like this are normally racist. Or well, maybe she just let. To, oh, I don't know. It's a very little thing. I thought it was very about. interesting too how he reacted to it. Or he's so used to it. Mm-hmm. What I also like is uh, and going back in comedy. Um, with uh, what's his name again? Rod. Rod. I'm not going to remember the actor's name. I keep Lil Ray Howell. Little Rel. Lil Rel. Something. Uh, Lil um, Lil Rel Howery. The phone. Now that was amazing in this movie. Now we can talk in oh. spoilers. The phone call between Alison Williams' character. That was great. Yeah, when she's full on dark villain mode, and he and he's well, he's trying to trick her on like take the take the conversation. I'm and take this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Record this bitch. Uh, that's really funny because it's that's to one scene with two different tones working together because yeah. he's funny. Yeah. And I don't know what she is, but I wanted to put that down as really good performance because he's great. Mm-hmm. But she's really, really good in that mm-hmm. scene because she's got, I think she's got really a lot of emotion in her voice. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, no, I don't know where Chris is. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. she cares. And you, it feels real, mm-hmm. but her face is like no emotion. Yeah. And I actually feel that's a really great job mm-hmm. of the actress, Alison Williams. That must be hard to do to have emotion in your voice while being stone faced. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great scene that juggled everything perfectly. You've got the 
sort of the more thriller aspect on one side of the phone mm-hmm. call and then you got this guy I'm going to record this bitch and yeah. the way he's talking is so funny yeah. and then when she knows she's lying he hangs up on her and he's saying <laughs> yeah. he was amazing he might be the best part of the movie like seriously I yeah. think he might be my favourite because I think my favourite scene of the whole film will probably go down in history as him going to the cops is it the cops or the the uh, airline it's not the cops it's the oh, airline I thought it was the cops because he's a different uh, the company. guards or something oh, I, don't know. I, I can't yeah. I think he went to see a real detective because he says that he's nearly as good as he says in some ways I'm better than a detective because he's a something agent whatever I can't the, remember what's the name what was he TSA for planes yeah and he says oh he was trying to compare TSA agents to uh, criminal detectives. Yeah. And he was saying how we're kind of, in some ways we're better than you. So I think he was going to be <laughs> I loved her. The reaction, the cop. Yeah. And I love how the storyline is crazy, mm-hmm. but you're watching the movie and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when he starts saying it out loud yeah. with his white slaver thing yeah. added in, it's, so it's really crazy. Like when yeah. he started saying it, I couldn't stop laughing because it's, it sounds really stupid mm-hmm. when you say it out loud. And he doesn't, he, he can't present it in a way that, you know, oh, this could be happening or it's serious. He just, he's so excited about it. Like not excited, but he's so passionate about the, it's the, best the true ever. story. It's the best scene It ever. comes off as the ramblings of it. And you know place. exactly where the joke's going to go because she brings the two other detectives yeah. and you know where the joke's going, but it's, but still, it's funny. still so funny. Once Chris gets kidnapped mm. and all that and tied up and all that, he takes over the movie for like 15 minutes, maybe not 15. It seems like a while Chris has gone from the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I keep on saying, I just kind of feel it's amazing that it works. Mm-hmm. Because in most movies with this character hijacking the movie, or hijacking, mm-hmm. he would have hijacked the movie. He would have said, tonally totally off. Like, what the hell is this for 15 mm-hmm. minutes? Like, who is this? But it works. And I think it works because it's funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love that scene. I loved Alison Williams. I loved the creepiness that I assume Jordan Peele adds in mm-hmm. to Alison Williams. Not just that she's stone-faced, but that she sits there eating Fruit Loops or whatever they say in America they're called. But in Australia they're called Fruit Loops. Yeah. Is she Fruit Loops you're eating? I but she eats the Fruit Loops called. dry, like the cereal. Mm. The sugar cereal dry mm. while drinking the milk of a straw slowly out of the thing. And it's just yeah. it's an awkward way to eat your... It puts cereal. you on, it, puts, it makes you uneasy. She's really good. Mm-hmm. I, at one stage I thought it was a semi maybe semi-fold of the movie and now I don't think it is mm-hmm. after I've seen the ending because during the movie for the first 80 minutes of the movie I liked her I fell in love with her mm-hmm. I thought she was a really pretty actress I fell in love with her and I thought great girlfriend she's really supported the whole time she sticks up to the cop she's mm-hmm. really great but when he's when she goes on a walk with him after the party or mm-hmm. during the party they go off together for a walk there was something about her Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm not saying I guessed anything because I didn't. It was mm-hmm. a shock to me when he looked through the photos and saw that she was evil. Yeah. But there was something about her where I was like, I don't like her for some reason. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Because she's being, she's really pretty. Mm-hmm. She's really supportive. She's never done anything against him. So I had no idea why I didn't like her. Mm-hmm. But there was something about her that I was like, and I think this was a fault of the movie. I was thinking to myself, mm-hmm. like, I don't like her for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just... Was that on purpose now? Like, did you like her the whole time? There was something about her where I thought, she's too calm about this. I think I think at the end I was questioning whether or not she may be involved. I just didn't like her because I thought she was too weak. Not weak of a character because she wasn't... Or maybe weak because she wasn't... Mm-hmm. She, at the beginning with the cops, she's fighting. Mm-hmm. So her boyfriend doesn't have to give the ID to the police. Mm-hmm. And then later on, she just kind of is acknowledging that the parents and everyone else is being weird. But she kind of... But it is hard. Like, it is hard. If your family's like that, you can't... Yeah. You know. Well, that's what I mean. Like... But when I was first watching, I was thinking I just started to not like her that much. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why. I thought this is kind of bad because she's meant to be the rock mm-hmm. in this situation that you kind of like as well. But then when she ends up being evil, I'm thinking, well, maybe you were you were meant to start questioning mm-hmm. why she's so freaking calm. Like, because she's she sort of like looked like she was starting to talk down to Chris a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll go in later. Oh, we'll go together. I love you. But there was something about her. And I don't know mm-hmm. why. When she was saying I love you at the end, I just was like, I don't like her as a character anymore. Yeah. And it was opposite to what... Because early on, I really liked her. Mm-hmm. 
So and then and then the twist happened. I was like, oh, maybe I was meant to start feeling questions mm-hmm. about her. But I too, when the twist happened, I had no idea. And it's kind of crazy because you saw the photos and well, when I saw those yeah. photos, I was like, oh shit! Mm-hmm. Before that, even when I didn't like her, I just thought it was bad writing mm-hmm. and that you're meant to like her, and I thought they were leaving together. And I was mm-hmm. like, get out, get out of the house. Yeah, oh, get out. The name of the movie. <laughs> and then even when she was looking for the keys and he saw the picture, I was like, maybe there's going to be an explanation for that, and she'd still be a good guy. Mm-hmm. I was thinking when she was looking mm-hmm. for the keys and they were trying to get out of the house, I was thinking, oh, they brainwash her too. Mm-hmm. So the movie had me all the way until mm-hmm. she said, oh, no, I have the keys the whole time. I'm an evil bitch. Mm-hmm. But she had me the whole way. And then it went from, uh, I like her, I don't like her, and I'm awkward about it, to oh, I want her to die badly. Mm-hmm. She became the worst of them all yeah. by the end. Because so, she, she knew better. She was bad. Mm-hmm. She was a great villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I just, so like even even after I saw the twist, I was he had me. Mm-hmm. Because I was still questioning that she might be good. Because mm-hmm. I was convinced that she was getting brainwashed when she was looking for the keys. Yeah. Like they'd done something. Mm-hmm. But Nazi's evil. And I wanted to mention, before we get too f- much further, we talked about Ashley and we talked about Bradley Whitford, mm-hmm. but Catherine Keener as the mum is great. Mm-hmm. I love the scene. You talk about putting you in the, the, the character's shoes. Mm-hmm. The scene where she puts him under hypnosis, uh, which hypnotizes him, I think does an amazing job at showing you how far from reality he is when he starts falling down the black hole and mm-hmm. the square gets... I thought that was really cool. And I've never been so freaked out. I'm not, not freaked out, not scared, but on the edge of my seat, worried that I'm going to hear a clink of a cup mm-hmm. again because I wanted him to get away and I'm like she clicks that cup yeah. he's stuffed and I thought it was so amazing how it put me into the shoes and I was on the edge of my seat for something so simple mm-hmm. like I don't think I'll ever think about a teacup ever again without thinking of this movie nearly like it really was amazing is, is it ruined for teacups forever? maybe mm-hmm. I never be able to drink tea I don't know <laughs> tea I thought she was really good mm-hmm. and I thought everything to do with her hypnosis thing just made Chris felt so vulnerable that it just worked so mm-hmm. well and I when he's getting out, when he's escaping and he kills the brother, who I want to mention as well, was also creepy ass. Mm. He, he was maybe less... He, a little he, bit over he, the top? Yeah, he was the, the less subtle, subtle, creepy kind of person. Yeah, probably. Mm. When he came to pick him up for the operation at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. I, I was just on the edge of my seat trying to work out how is he going to get out of this? And that's always my favourite sort of thriller. When I can put myself in the room, tied up with him, yeah. I don't want to hear the cups click. How am I going to get out of this situation? Mm-hmm. And I think what's great about this movie is it puts me in that situation, but also that Chris as a character and Jordan Peele writing that character did an amazing job to make the character do nothing stupid at all. He mm-hmm. does everything that a, a normal person would do. Yeah, There's not one moment where you go, well, this is stupid horror movie mm-hmm. writing. Well, I found, I, so, I found some of the you know people talking to him, I found like, he, like you said, he, he doesn't take it, uh, you know, he, he's used to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, at every time where he kind of tries to justify everything, I kind of felt, yeah, no, I, I guess he'd have to justify it. That's what he's used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by the time things got too weird for him, um, you know, he decided to leave, and then that's when he got stuck, and it, it, it worked perfectly. Uh, the only character yeah, I, I think who was not racist but was still evil was Stephen Root's character, who was gonna, who was the blind guy. He didn't care about any of the race stuff. He just wanted to be able to see again because he was an artist. Yeah, he didn't care about the black either. Yeah. He said, I don't know why they choose black. I just want to see. You got an artistic yeah. eye. He's the only person that's blind that ironically sees him for who he is. Yeah, he's artistic and awesome. Maybe because he's blind. He's still, he's still, you know, a bad guy. But he's a guy yeah. just trying to, you know, see get his sight back. Uh, so I, I found that interesting. Uh, but yeah, nah. it's a very good movie, isn't mm, it? It is very good. Yeah, geez. it's too good for someone's first movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's so especially it's so when it's a complex movie. It's interesting to see what he does next because I just don't know. Is he lucky? 
mm-hmm. that the balance came so well. Well, there's obviously skill or there. Is it, because it has to be, because it's so crazy to have this comedy on one side, mm-hmm. of this thriller on this one side, this social satire, and everything to never... I never... I've heard some people, even people who like the movie, mm-hmm. I've heard some critics say that the tones don't always mesh. For them, fair enough. Mm-hmm. For me, they did. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever hijacked anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And I think, is that like... It has to be a skill, but is it a little bit of luck that it all worked out together? Is a little bit of Richard Kelly going on mm-hmm. with Donnie Darko? No offense, but Donnie Darko has a lot of things going on and they amazingly all work. Yeah. And he kind of showed later on that he couldn't do it again. Mm-hmm. Now, this movie's better than Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. It's more confident than Donnie Darko ever was, I think, though. But it's just interesting. I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. I hope he doesn't do a flat comedy next, just because... Well, he said he, he wants to do kind horror, of, but I think he can do different things. Or he can do the horror in the comedy if he wants. Yeah. Well, screen I, five. I, mean, I reckon it, he, he could star in comedy for you know, keep doing that sort of thing. But I hope you got to make sure you have Rod though. Or you don't, oh, what, what if he has his own universe, a Get Out universe? <laughs> where he has all these. You can have a different movie completely, but Rod's always the friend. The <laughs> you got to have him in every movie ever. He was good. He's the best character in the movie. Are you okay with the actual plot? You know, swapping the brains out and putting it into black people so they can live that young bit. and black. not that bit. What do you feel bit. about that that overall story? Are you fine with it? Is it? Just, you know, okay. So I was watching it. I thought to me it seemed like a little bit over the top yeah. compared to what we watched, but it makes so much freaking sense based on everything else that you've seen beforehand and what they're doing that it it kind of fits really well. All the clues are there. Sure, it takes a little while for you to find out that it is a little bit you know science fictiony horror, but it's it's fun. You knew you're watching a horror film. It's not two out there I, I thought it was fun and, and I think it makes sense and it fits in with the whole it fits in with the theme yeah with the theme I, I don't have a problem with it and, yeah, I, and I reckon that's one of the things if you watched it again you'd be like it makes total sense I think if you thought about it if you look at this movie literally mm-hmm. like actually literal I think it is it's very silly mm-hmm. but I don't think it matters because the movie's not trying to be a real like it's not trying to be realistic in this world like, yeah. it's it's playing certain things and like you said the idea of Subtle racism coming in the overall twist being that they want to be in a black person because they're genetically superior plays into the whole theme of the movie. Yeah, that's the theme of the movie. So I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I think it's. Oh, fine. I, I remember seeing like, when I was watching. It, I thought, well, that's a bit crazy, but I guess you know. But all the clues were there. They oh, were, you know, they they did weird things with the brain and all the. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've already said it. I think it's fun. This a movie that this reminded me a lot of mm-hmm. while I was watching. It's not exactly the same at all, but it reminded me of Edgar Wright sort of films, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of Hot Fuzz in some ways. Yeah. Just just because it's like this community and something sinister going on mm-hmm. and where it's a comedy while being another sort of movie at the same time, you mm-hmm. know, sort of horror film. I don't think it works as well as Hot Fuzz. Like we t- I told you how good the writing is. And it's very mm-hmm. different though. The writing in Get Out is very good. But I think the writing in Hot Fuzz is stronger. So I don't know why. But I just... Because it, I thought of both movies at one stage. And I thought that Hot Fuzz took a lot of little themes about something going on. And I think Hot Fuzz has got one of the greatest scripts of the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. No, Honest no. to God. The way that movie comes together is perfect. Every, yeah, every joke... I don't know if Get Out comes together as well. That's why I was asking about the ending. Like I think thematically it works together. Yeah, I mean, you're comparing it to Hot Fuzz, but every core... little joke and every little line. See, Hot Fuzz is underrated now. Maybe if you don't think it's the best script of the last fifteen years, nearly it's underrated. Is Hot Fuzz underrated? I don't know anymore mm. because Hot Fuzz is amazing. Like everything comes back, mm-hmm. and I feel like the resolution in Hot Fuzz, like what it all is coming down to, is just still perfect. And even though I think thematically the brain thing works with the theme, I don't know if it fits as just I don't know. I mean, I like think, I said, I, I, I like it, it still, but there's something about it that doesn't. I don't know. I, don't I know. I know what you mean. And I, it. And maybe I want it, to it something bigger. I like how the whole town's in on hot fuzz. 
And maybe I want to... I know the whole town's kind of in on it here, but it's so small and insular because it is just that family, even though we mm. get people meeting him. I think the whole maybe town. I was the, cop, in, the cop wasn't in on it, we assume. Yeah, probably not, actually, no. Mm. Was, yeah, no. Nah. Unless he wanted to get his ID so he could see what brain he, he might want to auction for him later on. No, he wasn't there anyway, was he? No. No, I just... I, I don't know. Maybe when I was watching the movie at the beginning, I was thinking maybe the last act of this film was going to be a little bit bigger with more of the town going crazy after him. I don't, I don't know. think it needed that, though. No, it probably didn't, but that's maybe me thinking. But I was thinking Hot Fuzz during this film. I thought, this is kind of Hot Fuzz. With this town that's got something sinister, they're all white and happy and polite. It's funny. You're, <laughs> ki- you're kind of comparing our apples with oranges, yeah, but I kind of get it at the same time. There was a bit of Edgar Wright in this, yeah, though. I thought there was. There's definitely a bit of Edgar Wright in it. Um, and Hot Fuzz is amazing. Um, that's my favourite Edgar Wright film I know some people say uh, Shaun of the Dead and that's oh, fine no. I, I, don't I think know. Hot Fuzz is just do you know I keep saying Jesus. it's Shaun of the Dead but it's probably Hot Fuzz Hot Fuzz is so funny I think maybe it's because Shaun of the Dead was the first one I saw yeah it blew me um, away Shaun of the Dead um, but I like them well. the third one's obviously the weakest I feel uh, like a well done but it's still good yeah yeah, they're all good mm. I can't wait to see what Edgar Wright does next I would have loved to see oh, Edgar Baby Wright are you going to see that oh yeah this year oh yeah of course I'm going to yeah. see Edgar Wright hmm Maybe even do a podcast on it because it's Edgar Wright. Yeah. Maybe get Hot Fuzz as a pod before leading up to it. Jeez, that's a movie. Hot Fuzz is one of the most perfect strips of all time of Back to the Future. Like it's one of the, it's up to it's on that level mm-hmm. of plane in my opinion. But anyway, that's a different movie. It's Get Out. Get Out is also a very good <laughs> yeah. script. But like I said, Get Out should get an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. I actually wouldn't be shocked if it gets an Oscar nomination. It's just it's so early. But I think it's politically vibrant as mm-hmm. well. So I think they will like oh, the reviewers loved it. The critics loved it. Mm. Um but like I said, I think if we start going into, is this a great horror film? Well, I'd say, I would argue that it's not really scary, so it's not. But then it's not trying to be scary, like you said. I don't think it's a great so. horror film, like uh, as in a classic horror film, but I think it's a great... Thriller, though. Yeah. 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 It was one of those movies, that it, when he first met the parents, and like I said, it was like suspense coming out of awkwardness, which I've never mm-hmm. seen before. Like, I've seriously never seen awkwardness mm-hmm. turn into suspense, because you're just trying to interpret what everyone's saying. Mm-hmm. So you're getting on the edge of your seat, knowing something's going wrong. And I'll tell you, I got sucked in. I mean, I, li- I normally, when I watch a movie, I watch it, but I, I kind of, often I will think about a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But once that scene happened, for the next half an hour especially, I just got sucked into the whole movie when he's meeting all the white people. Mm-hmm. I just got sucked oh, in. And by the time I got out of the end of being sucked in... Mm-hmm. Like I was on the edge of my seat, yeah, and it was like it was like suspense that happened that I couldn't believe happened because there was apart from like I said the jump scare at night the guy running at him mm-hmm. most of the suspense there, it wasn't from it was horror just, scenes it was from awkward it was just from conversations mm-hmm. and that's very rare and that's the script how good the script is and I just think that uh, that's amazing and that's what I mean like this movie I would class more it's got that that gore at the end which I love yeah but I would still class this movie more as a thriller yeah than a horror film oh yeah. Like a, a comedy, a thriller. So it's really weird. Social satire, thriller, comedy mm. with horror elements. Mm-hmm. Because I was very satisfied with the violence at the end. I I don't know if it's a sick person in me, but yes. I wanted more no, no, of the is. violence. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of disappointed when Catherine Keener got killed off screen. I really was. Did she get killed off? Well, like they're killing her on screen, but he stabs her in the eye and it doesn't show it. And maybe mm-hmm. that's because I watched too much unrated mm-hmm. Hostel Three stuff on at home. But I just. I felt like Tarantino would have showed it. Yeah. You know, because the movie is about... The ending of this movie is turned into something else where it's like a vengeance movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like... I was thinking of the movie Funny Games. Have you seen Funny Games? Yeah. I was thinking of Funny Games after because this movie was making me f- so angry. I wanted to see the father die, the son die. The father was the one I, I didn't care as much. I cared, but I really wanted the son to die. I wanted mm-hmm. the wife to die. I freaking wanted... Rose to die badly. I wanted him to die violently. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking Tarantino would be proud and I'm feeling that 
I don't know, cutting away from the violence hurt the movie sometimes, maybe, because I wanted my, not hurt the movie, but I just wanted, I don't know, more. And when, I was always afraid that they weren't going to kill Rose violently, like he was just going to be, I always loved you a little bit, so I'm going to walk away. Did she away. die at the end? But she, she survived, didn't she? He shoots her in the gut, and then I assume she dies no, on the road, like the start. mother. Yeah. That was a beautiful thing they had, but I would say that in a minute. But uh, I, I like the gore at the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe I wanted a little bit more gore, but maybe that's from the unrated version coming later well, on. I don't think, it, I don't think it needed any more gore. Uh, you know, no one was covered in blood screaming. Uh, this isn't good enough. No, <laughs> I know like, you like that sort of stuff. I, I, I thought it was fine the way it was. Uh, ne- never too scary, uh, like ten, in a horror a way, ten, but yeah. yeah. It was, I think it did exactly what I had to do. Um, and I want to say quickly, because that's the first time we sort of mentioned it, I really loved the little theme, well, the little story they added with his mother. Yeah. I thought that was very good. And I love how he explains to Rose before she turns evil. Mm-hmm. You think she died on the, the side of the road, but he, he didn't want to ring anyone because he, ringing someone would make it real. Mm-hmm. So he just watched TV all night. But then he realized that she died slowly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's over the top dramatic or not, but I just thought it was really haunting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a character turn that just made me endear to him even more. Which once again, oh my God, I didn't even think about it. Early on, when they killed the deer on the road, he's the deer's dying, and that's why he's looking. I didn't think about that either. I just thought about it then, mm-hmm. and that's why I said watching it a second time will probably add little themes to it. There you go. I can't wait to see it again. But I said there was something about when he killed, they killed the deer on the side of the road when he was so sad. He mm-hmm. wasn't like some macho guy that's like, oh whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I'm strong. Don't worry, little lady, my girlfriend. It's just an animal that died. Mm-hmm. That's a, that happens often in movies. Yeah, but it's more like he was haunted by watching this thing die. Yeah, and it, and it, that endeared me to him. And now, just discussing it with you on this podcast, I've worked out that that was clearly a reference to later on. We're going to find out about the mother dying. I didn't pick that on up. On the side either. of the road. Good pickup. And then Alison Williams dies on the side of the road. And that whole story, that whole subplot with the with Chris's mother, is very interesting because is it the actor or is it Jordan Peele writer director that makes it work or is it both? Because on paper. If not done right, him spilling that story could be over the top. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was over the top of the movie at all. When I he mean, when he revealed it, I was like heartbroken a bit. I never it never bothered me at all. Oh, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying on paper it could have been yeah. if someone just sits down and randomly tells you a dark story. I think it's the the mix of Jordan Peele and Daniel. Kaluuya. Well, he's great. Oh, both yeah. of them are great, but he's great, mm-hmm. Daniel. I mean, he's so emotive. I like the whole cast like I said I think everyone knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. and best supporting actor to Lil Ray Howard Lil Ray Lil Ray Howard we, I don't know I have to practice his name before he yeah. gets his Oscars speech down mm-hmm. but that would be so good his Oscars speech <laughs> he can actually call the Oscars white slavers <laughs> were you thinking George Lucas when you heard the word white slavers no I wasn't thinking of that I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I might didn't. have thought of that did you? I didn't even think about we that we could didn't you but uh, anyway I think that's it for the podcast Ah, uh, unless you got something to add that I've—I mean, I wrote so many notes, but I didn't read any of them. But I—we've talked for an hour about this movie now. So. I think it was, yeah. Uh, I love the movie; thought it was great. I think everything was mentioned. You could have made the whole movie on the first theme, and it would have worked. Yeah, absolutely. So you really could have. Uh, <laughs> but they didn't. They changed the themes, and it still worked. I'll tell you one thing about Tarantino being proud. I bet you Tarantino will come out one day and say how much he loves this movie. Yeah. Because this has a little bit of Tarantino about it. It's not exactly the same. Hey, it's actually earlier Tarantino, which is arguably a little bit less self-indulgent mm-hmm. and a little bit more smoother. It's more subtle Tarantino, I think. Yeah, I guess he couldn't... I don't know Tarantino could be that subtle, mm. could he? Could you imagine if he could be? How amazing. I love Tarantino exactly the way he is. I love it. I don't want him to change I love Inglourious Bastards, um, Tarantino. Actually, that might be the next pod you have to do one day. Inglourious Bastards? Get, I think Inglourious Bastards has to be done. Love Inglourious Bastards. Because Inglourious Bastards... 
that's got a great storyline with me because Inglorious Bastards is, I think now, and this is not Get Out, but I'm going to say this anyway really quickly, I think Glorious Bastards is my favourite Tarantino movie. It and might, I can't believe you know, I'm might, saying that. It might be mine too. Because it was always Pulp Fiction was untouchable. And you didn't like Inglorious Bastards when you first saw it. I know. Uh, well, there's certain reasons which we'll get into the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I was wrong. Yeah. I was absolutely wrong. Because Inglorious Bastards is absolute genius mm-hmm. in every level. Yeah. The writing is, I wish I could write as good as that. I love Tarantino. That's why I, I own Hateful Eight and I'm very proud of it. Mm-hmm. It made my top 10 of two years ago. So, do you want to do one more spoiler sum up? We've already... If you want to, uh, spoiler sum up: four and a half stars. Great, great movie from first-time director who's obviously got some skill. Uh, he's funny um, and he can write and direct. Uh, Ninety-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes for a horror. For two hundred thirty-one reviews. Film. That's crazy. I mean, again, it's not about Rotten. I like Look Who's Talking too, and that only has like seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's not a great movie, but it was yeah, it was cute enough. Uh, but it, it's an amazing achievement. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. Yeah, I don't see how he can beat that though. It's going like, to be hard. Uh, yeah, it depends. If, he, if he's only going to do because like, he says he's got ideas for like five horror films. I'm happy. I actually I hope he does horror films because mm-hmm. there's a tension in this film that I think if he wants to even take a little bit of the comedy out, yeah, I I he clearly can build tension. Yeah, I would love to see something that's like dark and really tension filled. Mm-hmm. But then again, maybe I want to see something with comedy as well with Ron explaining stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Road trip with Rod. <laughs> Have the same cast. I don't know. I just I no, they're alive. So well, maybe the sequel. Yeah. Get out again. Yeah. Stay out. Uh, I'll go see it. Stay out. <laughs> anyway, my overall review. Well, like we've already said it, but to mm-hmm. sum up the quickly, yeah, I, I'm about the same. I don't even know what mm-hmm. star rating four and a half. I can't give five because five has to be something truly. Mm-hmm. I normally find when it comes to new release movies that I would have to see... I don't want to give something five straight away anyway. I have mm-hmm. to see it like five times and see how it lasts in five years' time. Mm-hmm. Like, The Prestige wouldn't have been five stars the first time I saw it. No, no. It now it would be five stars. Mm. And I don't know what Get Out's going to be like. Will it get better? Will it get worse? I doubt it'll get worse. Mm-hmm. So it's just what will it be like once you've seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. But like already just in this podcast, we, we've sort of thought of other ideas that we didn't even see the first time, like him looking off at the deer dying and being with the mother and I bet you there's more things like that yeah there's there's clearly things in here to dissect I think it's an incredible movie I can't believe that it balances the three tones so well I think that has got the biggest tick of all that, that, that you can have someone that's so crazy in the comedy on one area mm-hmm. with Rod while you have this thrill on this other area while you have the social satire that's subtle and relatable and then you have this horror gore ending that's suspenseful and, and gory and mm-hmm. fun and how he even tries to tie it all together with the mother dying on the road, the deer dying, but even more importantly, Alison Williams dying on the road at the end, Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think her as a villain. I mean, the whole family is a villain are great. Catherine Keener, we need to see more of her. Mm-hmm. Bradley Whitford's great. The son, like you said, is a bit over the top, mm-hmm. but he was he was good for what he had to be. Yeah, And she's great mm-hmm. because she's lovable. Then there's something going on about her that made me feel weird about her. Mm-hmm. And then she's just flat out, I want her to die because she's evil. Yeah. And she starts looking up. And the little stuff like that's kind of funny in a black comedy way. Mm-hmm. But also how she's looking up the NCAA basketball yeah. for the next mission. Yeah. Which I just think is... And then she even tried to hit on Rod a little bit. Yeah. You're like, bitch, I'm looking for Chris. <laughs> which I think is so great. His reaction when he hangs up on her is, that bitch is okay. <laughs> that is so good. I right, record this bitch. I love everything. I love this guy. Yeah. Let's see it again. Anyway, that's it. Four and a half. I'm about the same. Four and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Five. And I think it has an incredibly good chance of being my top ten at the end of the year. I normally say that. And when I say that, it means it probably will be in there. Mm-hmm. Because I doubt I'm going to see ten movies this year that are 
like I might see one that's better. Yeah. I might see two that's better, but I will not see ten movies better than this film. Yeah, I and think if we do, then I, then it'll be bloody good. Yeah, because it's just it works on so many levels. So what next for Jordan Peele? He might get some big projects. It matters what he oh, wants he to do with his career. Because after a movie this successful from so little, mm-hmm. he will get projects handed to him. He's not ready for the big ones yet, though, and I don't want to see him yet. Mm-hmm. I hate when directors do one movie like this and then people give him Amazing Spider-Man 1 mm-hmm. after 50 days is great. 500 mm-hmm. days are great. 500 Days of Summer is such a great yeah. movie. Mark Webb hurt his career by doing Amazing Spider-Man. So what do you do next? Like, what, what's the, what do you build yourself to? How do you build yourself to them? I think you're just going to do bigger, bigger films. I think this guy is so gifted at writing. If he's got other ideas, write your next movie. You'll get probably a $40 million budget this mm-hmm. time. I, when I see someone with a voice, he's got a voice to him in this film. Mm-hmm. I, it's like Nolan has a different sort of voice, but he's got mm-hmm. a voice as well. I don't like seeing them put into studio films mm-hmm. that much. Like I feel like you're hurting someone. Like if 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 Nolan if they got Nolan to do Batman v Superman, it would have just took Nolan away from us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think Jordan Peele, if he's got more ideas, I'd rather see what he has than yeah. to go make Wonder Woman two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. He can do so, big, he can probably get more of a budget now because he's proven oh, himself. Yeah, um, and then see what he does with it. I can't wait to see what he writes and directs next. But like you said, I I agree with you. I think it'd be a hard ta- hard act to follow. Mm-hmm. I I can nearly guarantee his next movie won't be as good. But it probably be, hopefully it's just good. Mm-hmm. You never know. What if it is? What if it's his Citizen Kane? Because that's why I say I was trying to compare. And it's, honestly, people say this is one of the best debuts ever, mm-hmm. and I was saying, is this better than Citizen Kane? I no, no way. So sorry. Yeah. It's, and I don't, know, I don't mean that in a bad way. People always pay out. Oh, it's not as good as Citizen Kane. I actually love Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. and this movie's not as good as Citizen Kane. So. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> so that's a negative way to end it, Jordan. <laughs> You're moving. So now we're going to get like an angry is email than, from Jordan it, Peele. Like, I can't believe you didn't think my movie was as good as Citizen Kane. Okay. <laughs> Citizen Kane. I, it was it better than... Oh. Uh, I think this was Edgar Wright's debut. Was it better than uh, the other one? It was Shaun of the Dead? Was that his debut? Well, uh, well no, no. Shaun of the Dead's better than... Oh, All right, get out. I don't know. I have to watch it again. I've seen Shaun of the Dead so many times. It's unfair. See, that's the thing. You know Get Out's got good quality, but you can't judge it until you see it more times and yeah. you live with it. All I know is that everyone should watch this movie, full stop. Yeah. And I said that to Matt, and this is the last thing I'll say. Matt was going to go see Guns of the Galaxy Volume 2 on the Saturday, and I didn't hate the movie. Chris liked it more than me. I, I did like it more than you, yeah. But we both liked the I'm going to buy it. I mm-hmm. like the movie. And I'm going to see it again one day. But when Matt was going to go see I said, no, go see Get Out. Mm-hmm. I said, it's so much better. It won't give you Get a headache. Better. Yeah. It's better written. It's not as long. It's smarter. It's funnier. It's funnier. Mm-hmm. It's funnier than that. And uh, yeah, so I told you uh, to get out. Guys, is pretty funny. Yeah, you're so fun. hideous. Yeah, on the inside. No, he says you're so beautiful on the inside. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, that's it for the. Shall we clerk finish off? Well, that's I'm it. For, that's it for get out. Uh, that's it for the podcast, Chris. Thanks for being on it. A pleasure. Uh, I just want to say, do you want to tell people anything about yourself privately that they can ring you up or message you or call um, you? I've got a rash that I'm hoping gets cleared up. Uh, oh, you get, like contact details. And if, stuff. if they want it, I don't care if you yeah, want it. I don't really have any contact oh. details. So you can, um, count, you can get yeah, Chris. Moving Mingler is it. Okay. I don't really have a life well, outside of it. You can find me and this podcast at www.moviemingler.com or on Facebook, just type in Movie Mingler or on Twitter at Movie Mingler. We also got iTunes, just go to iTunes.com and search for Movie Mingler and you'll find it. Or you can go to moviemingler.com, scroll to the bottom of a podcast post. And at the bottom, there's a link that takes you straight to iTunes where you can rate and subscribe and all that. It's really cool. Uh, we also got an email, which is moviemingler at gmail.com. Oh. And there's also, you can email me personally if you want at uh, nickdescalzi at gmail.com, which is N-I-C-K-D-E-S-C-A-L-Z-I at gmail.com. 
And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back in about a couple of weeks' time, two, three we weeks. Probably. With Should most we likely a review, I think very confidently, even yeah. if it's a bad movie, yeah. it's going to get reviewed on here. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be bad. But it's going to be a review of Alien Covenant mm-hmm. uh, with Chris Hargy. Mm-hmm. And maybe special guests. There might be someone else that comes on as well. I don't know. Well, we, we have interviewed Ridley Scott uh, on Movie oh, yeah, didn't we? That wasn't actually my, my thing. I just posted someone else's. Uh, um, um, I think it's kind of exciting that we live in a world in 2017 where we're going to see a new movie by Ridley Scott that has a xenomorph in it called Alien. I think that's really cool. cool. Mm. But anyway, we'll be back in a few weeks with a review of Alien Covenant. Cool. So, see ya. Bye-bye.